Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the Utah Jazz do it again. They beat the San Antonio Spurs. They blow them out for the third time. They didn't just win all three games. They blew them out all three times. The Jazz have the Spurs number. And they showed it last night, a dominating performance. End of the first quarter, start of the second. They blew the game open, and it was over. A 7-0 run to close the first quarter. They scored the first 10 points of the second quarter, and that game was finished. San Antonio was beaten, and nothing was going to change that. They played the rest of the game. The starters were all out for the fourth quarter. It was, uh, really, as a Jazz fan, everything Everything you could want. You know, they were up they were up by twenty-four points at halftime. They were just thumping the Spurs. And, you know, we don't know what's gonna happen with the playoffs. Um, you know, the Jazz and the Suns are gonna be teams one and two, but we don't know the order. The Clippers and Nuggets are gonna be team three and four, but we don't know the order. Portland, the Lakers, and the Mavericks, uh, those three teams are five, six, seven right now, but they're only separated by a half game. So, you know, we just don't know who's going to be where. We don't know who's going to play who. Um, But if you could wish for anything, you could wish for the Spurs, who are in 10th place, to win two games in the playoffs, be in the play-in tourney, be the eighth seed and play the Jazz. Because I know the the Jazz, they did really well against the Grizzlies this year, and the Grizzlies could end up being eight, you know, if the Jazz are one. The Grizzlies could end up being seven. Who knows? There's there's so many ifs out there. It's impossible to even consider them all right now. But holy cow, the Jazz and the Spurs in the best four out of seven first-round series, yeah, every Jazz fan would sign off on that. That thing would be over pretty quick. The Jazz rolled the, the keys to the game, a couple things. One, the the defense was really good. Nothing easy for the Spurs. And sure enough, they, um, you know, they, they struggled to get 20 points in a quarter. Uh, they, they got there, they get, you know, what, a 40, what do they have at halftime, 42, something like 40. They had 43 Monday at halftime. It was the same kind of deal. They're in the low 40s. And that's not going to win NBA games. It's not going to do it, you know. And so everyone pointed to that. Um, Bojan, and you'll hear him coming up in the post game, said the ability to, defense, to defend well and then get the defensive rebound and run. They had a lot of buckets in transition. They had a lot of buckets in the first seven seconds. Now, it wasn't, it wasn't the outlet pass, the outlet pass, and the dunk. It was more bring it up court. The Spurs struggled to match up with the Jazz, and they would get good shots. The Spurs' defense was too soft. There was, there was one play in the third quarter that um, Royce O'Neal got a rebound, kind of tipped the ball to himself behind him. He spun around, grabbed it in the lane, saw Joe Ingles ahead on the right side, threw it to him. Joe comes into the front court on two or three dribbles, and Royce just runs to kind of like free throw line extended on the left side. Joe just throws in the ball and hits three. And it looked like, did one of the Spurs fall down? No, they had all five guys back, and no one matched up with Royce. What are you doing, guys? So some of what the Jazz did was them playing well. Some of it was the Spurs screwing up. Um, and then the Jazz hit open shots. And they're, um, the two guys who really stood out, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich and Jordan Clarkson, they combined to go 22 of 29. That's 76%. Who does that? <laughs> and yet you had two guys doing it. Jordan got 30 points in like 25 minutes. Uh, Bogdanovich hit, I think, 24 points in 26 minutes. Uh, n- nobody played more than Bogey's 26 minutes. Gobert only played 22. The Jazz defense was great, and, and Gobert only played 22 minutes. 
it was just too easy for the Jazz. But that's the way their schedule looks down the stretch here. Um, they've they've got some. They get teams worse than the Spurs on the schedule. They still play the Rockets. They still play the Thunder. They still play the Kings. All three of those teams are behind the Spurs in the standings. Uh, none of those three teams is anywhere near thinking about going to the playoffs. Not even as a ten seed in the playing game, and they're they're done. They're just playing out the string. So for the Jazz down the stretch, you know, we saw Denver coming and all that. Well, with this win now, the Jazz, if they go three and three in their last six games, Denver can't catch them. So and neither can the Clippers. So the two seed, although it's not locked up yet, it, it looks like a certainty. You know, they have to go three and three if Denver goes undefeated. If the Clippers go undefeated, um, and the and the three wins totally look doable. <laughs> They got they got three terrible teams on their schedule. So, so really it comes down to Jazz and Suns. And the Suns loss last night, really predictable after the game in Cleveland. They went to Atlanta and got blown out, you know, late third, early fourth quarter. The thing just started getting away from them, and they didn't have the energy to get it back. Chris Paul was like three for 11 shooting the ball. Booker was really the only guy who scored it like you would expect him to score it. So they get beat, and, and honestly, the same thing happened to Cleveland. Cleveland got blown out. I mean, they gave up, respectively, 141 and 135 points. You know, they played an overtime game the night before. They both had to go back-to-back, and neither one had enough in the tank. Uh, the Cleveland game doesn't matter so much to the Jazz, but the Suns game certainly does, and Atlanta's good. Atlanta has turned it around with the Nate McMillan hire midseason as their coach. They're 23-10 and 10 in the last 33 games, so that's a— Win percentage, that'd put you high 50s, maybe close to 60 wins, maybe in a full season if you could sustain it. It's been a really good run for Atlanta. 23 and 10 is real impressive. That is very impressive. And they got a tired Suns team on the second night of a back to back after an overtime game, and they really took it to them in the second half, which is when teams usually run down. You know, you can, you can get through the first half. You might slip a little going to halftime. Halftime, you get your, you know, you, you get a chance to catch your breath. You come out and play five, six, seven good minutes of basketball. And by the middle of third quarter, it's usually getting away. And it got away. So now the Suns have the tiebreaker, but it doesn't do them any good right now. They're a game behind the Jazz. So the question is, can the Jazz finish with the same record as the Suns? And the Suns have got, uh, I think, four of the last six on the road. Got to back it back in San Antonio, so it's not it's not all that easy. It's not going to be all that easy. Really, really intriguing game coming up for the Jazz on Friday. On paper, it look and all on paper, right? One crazy, ridiculous NBA upset. One outlier of a score could change a playoff race with the Jazz and Suns for one two, or the Nuggets and Clippers for three four, or the five six seven mashup with the Mavericks, the Lakers, and the Blazers. But on paper, this looks like the Jazz' toughest game. This looks like the big game for the Jazz. You know, can they handle the Nuggets? If they get that, then the Suns are really going to shudder. <laughs> the Suns are not going to—they are not going to be happy because this is the one they need the Jazz to lose, and this is the one they ought to lose. The Jazz are shorthanded now. Denver is too. You know, Jamal Murray's out, but the Jazz are down two—you know, two guards. So. With both uh, Conley and Mitchell, assuming that they're still out, um, they were on the sideline cheering like crazy, you know, and going nuts. And the Jazz didn't need them against the Spurs, but you kind of assume they will against the Nuggets. Um, but maybe the Jazz just really hit the groove and, and found a good place. You know, the, they've got a three-game win streak here, which is the first three-game win streak they've had in, in weeks. Um, 
But it's against two teams, you know, the Raptors struggling to get in and the Spurs trying to hold on to the 10th spot in the West. So it's not like they've been beating the best competition. The Nuggets are a big step up in that regard, even without Jamal Murray. Nuggets won. Uh, They beat the Knicks last night at home, so neither team will be going back-to-back Friday. The Nuggets are 10-2 and in their last 12 games. Um, So, But we can obsess more about that game on Friday. I think right now for Jazz fans, it's just enjoying how fun it was to dominate the Spurs. And it was just, it was so easy. And with the Suns losing, as expected, going back-to-back in Cleveland and Atlanta, coming off an overtime game, the Jazz now have a one-game lead. They got a one-game lead in the race for the best record in the NBA. Uh, one game over the Suns with six to go. And three total gimmies. You know, the Suns have some gimmies built into their schedule, too. But um, not as many. So we'll see if the Jazz can can pull it off. But that was a heck of a performance. And it wasn't just those two guys shooting the ball. Bogey and, and Clarkson shot it well. But a lot of guys played well. As Bogey said, they defended well, ran the floor, and the starters didn't have to play. Uh, didn't have to play many minutes. You know, all the starters playing between 22 and 26 minutes. Joe Ingles will join us later today. He had 14 points, and he had seven assists. She also mentioned Clarkson had four assists. He's passed the ball really well lately. I don't know what's clicking in for him. Last seven games, he's averaging a little over four assists a game. It's like 4.1, 4.2, something like that. Um, So Clarkson's got it going. He's finding other guys. And he had a quote you'll hear coming up in the postgame where uh, he talks about other teams are tipping their hand with their scouting reports. He definitely had this confident look in his eye, his body language and all that. Like, they're throwing stuff at me, but I know we can handle it. You know, we prep for a lot of it. I've seen a lot of it. The coaches get me uh, get me up to speed on what the options are, what needs to be done, and we can do it. And he didn't. He doesn't say it in those words, but the way he talked about it and the way he kind of grinned when he talked about they're showing their hand early. You know, by the time you get into the second half, you know what the other team's going to do. So we'll see if that holds when they're playing better teams and playing better teams. You know, multiple nights in a row in a best four out of seven playoff series, but. Whole lot of confidence in Jordan Clarkson's body language, that's for sure. All right, DJ and PK. Coming up, we got Michael Lev, uh, covers the Arizona Wildcats in uh, Tucson, and they play both the Utes and the Cougars this year, so we'll get uh, get the lowdown from him, and then we'll get the best of the post-game show. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, and it's time to welcome in Michael Lev. He covers the Arizona Wildcats for the Arizona Daily Star BYU plays Arizona in the season opener. The Utes will have their traditional South Division clash with Arizona later in the season. So Ute and Cougars gather around the radio and let's see what we can learn about the Wildcats as they try to pull off a bounce-back season. Michael, good morning. Hey, guys. How are you? We are doing, we are doing well. Can the same be said of the Wildcats? Because the last time we saw them, they were getting absolutely pummeled by Arizona State. Coaching change... Everything's brand new. Is uh, is Jedfish changing the just the whole energy and vibe around the program? Because it seems like if that doesn't happen, then everything else is a waste of time. 
he is and he has. Um, there's a, just a different kind of feel to everything under Jed Fish. Um, things are very open. Um, there's a, an undercurrent of optimism around here, um, which is uh, great. It's refreshing, needed. Uh, no one talks about that um, terrible Territorial Cup experience. Um, who, who would want to talk about it here? Um, it was pretty much, uh, you know, a nightmare. Um, but maybe it was necessary because um, change happened afterward. And thus far, um, the, the change has been positive. Uh, you know, things could change, of course, again, uh, once they take the field against BYU, if, if um, that game is, is a blowout loss, uh, people will start, you know, maybe talking about, you know, personnel and what what's wrong with Arizona football and that sort of thing again. But for now, it's all about um, how different things are, different looking offense, different approach to spring practice, um, open practices, uh, involvement of the community, turning things around. I mean, everything is sort of is pushing uh, in a positive direction. Well, Michael, as an ASU grad myself, I talk about 70 to 7 every day. So I, I, I enjoy taking it. I just have a TV downstairs. It's just on constant rerun. It just starts from the beginning and goes to the end. I, I turn it off when Jackson He scores that last touchdown, and then I go to bed. Uh, but following the Wildcats uh, and what they've been doing, certainly Fish has been uh, bringing in a lot of energy, but it was hard not to because Sumlin was a big old downer and his team sucked and all that. So you still have to have players. And with that in mind, let's just start right at the quarterback. We know Gunnell took off, transferred out. And so in spring, they had a couple of local guys, Gunnar Cruz. I think he start, uh, was at Washington State and then transferred in. And then Will Plummer's up from the Phoenix area. But they and both those guys were in spring ball. But they also have Jordan McLeod, who is a uh, coming over as a South Florida transfer, and I think he has like uh, 15, 16, 17 starts. So he's got some experience, not necessarily for a great team, but as far as quarterback, where do you think it stands? Yeah, it's wide open still. Um, Gunnar Cruz, uh, who's from Arizona, uh, he did transfer in in March jumped right into the quarterback competition in spring. He and Will Plummer went back and forth uh, throughout spring camp. And, I mean, I would have said maybe halfway through spring that Gunnar Cruz was ahead and was the favorite for the job. But then Will Plummer, who had hit kind of a, a wall at one point, he rallied in a pretty significant way, and he closed that gap. And I'd say the two of them are neck and neck at the moment. And then – you bring Jordan McLeod into the mix, and he's going to be given every opportunity to win the job. So I don't think we're very close at all to figuring out who that is. Um, it's a big transition for pretty much any um, high school or transferring quarterback because very different system than what these guys are used to. Um, I was just watching some highlights of Jordan McLeod the other day, and he's, you know, he's running a spread down there. And South Florida, he's in the shotgun all the time. Um, you know, when they do a play-action fake, it's that little, you know, kind of dip the ball down and take a step back. When they do a play-action fake in this offense, I mean, it is, you know, NFL style. You're under center. You're turning your back to the defense. 
you're taking five and seven set drops. Um, there's a lot of uh, different mechanics that are involved in that. Um, it's there's different verbiage that's involved, um, and you, know, you saw the the, the growing pains uh, with the two quarterbacks who were here uh, in spring. Uh, both of them kind of had their moments of kind of indecisiveness, hesitation, where you could just tell that they're thinking about a lot of stuff out there and not playing freely. And it wasn't kind of until the end of spring that Will Plummer started to, to really open up and play freely um, and, and use his natural ability uh, where it was kind of becoming muscle memory. Um, and that's kind of the, I don't know that's the the kind of the common theme for every one of the quarterbacks as we head into summer and into training camp is how do they handle that transition to a very different uh, pro style offense. So at running back, uh, Brightwell's gone off to the Giants now. Uh, Michael Wiley played a little bit in the spring, but not a lot. Uh, you wrote a thing about Bam Smith. What was happening at running back? How is this going to sort itself out? Yeah, I think they're fine there. Uh, again, probably the deepest team uh, position uh, on the team, even with, you know, even losing a couple of, you know, I, I guess I'll call them NFL guys the last two years. You know, J.J. Taylor wasn't drafted, but he made the Patriots and played a little bit last year, and then Gary Brightwell was selected by the Giants. Um, still have Michael Wiley, who looked good uh, last season uh, as kind of the you know the number two behind Brightwell. Um, they brought in Drake Anderson, a transfer from Northwestern, who has a lot of college experience and is a little different style of runner. He's a little bit more uh, nifty and shifty. Um, they also have Jalen John, who's a second-year freshman, who's a bigger kid. Uh, maybe in the 225-pound range, uh, brings some power to the position. Um, Stevie Rocker, a freshman from here in Tucson, looked really good in spring. Um, the guys who cover high school sports here told me that he looked better in spring practice than he ever did in high school uh, while he was playing uh, for, for Canyon Del Oro here because he was healthy. And he seldom was during his prep career. And they have another kid coming in, James Bowles, uh, from uh, Orange County, California, who just had a really good spring uh, uh, in their you know shortened season that they had out there. So I think plenty of running backs. And I think the important thing to note is that th- that's going to be a very important kind of foundational piece uh, for this offense. Uh, they're going to do a lot of play action, a lot of bootlegs, a lot of rollout. And in order to make those plays effective, you need to run the ball. I think Jed Fish recognizes that. Um, it's also a way to make things easier on a new quarterback and make things easier on an offensive line group that really struggled last season. So relatively speaking, their their offense obviously was better than their defense because their defense was literally last in just about every category uh, in the Pac-12 for sure. And as I look at the defense this year, uh, there's the the transfer thing. It's like if you don't keep up to it every day, you're going to miss guys. And I know they got Malik Reed, a transfer from uh, Wisconsin, I think, just here very recently. And they also got some other linebacker transfers and Hayward and Roberts. So I think they probably set at linebacker. Uh, secondary, 
maybe safety they're okay, cornerbacks, uh, a little bit of depth issues there. Uh, what is going on as far as how much are they bolstering transfers defensively combined with the players that they have? Yeah, definitely some fresh blood uh, coming in on that side of the ball, which is needed. Um, a couple transfers that you mentioned from the MAC, uh, Trayshawn Hayward from Western Michigan. He was the 2019 uh, MAC Defensive Player of the Year, so um, really good pedigree there. Jerry Roberts coming in uh, from Bowling Green. I would expect both of those guys to be immediate starters uh, at linebacker alongside Anthony Candy. Um, pretty good depth at that position. Uh, depth elsewhere is kind of questionable still, um, even with the guys that they've brought in. Um, I thought the, the front-line defense looked good in spring, and for the most part, you know, they won the majority of the battles against the offense, it's, you know, it's what happens when you get a few injuries. And uh, that's, you know, that's the difficulty when you're Arizona, you're, you're not Alabama, you know, you don't have uh, four and five star guys waiting on the bench. So uh, this coaching staff has really gone about trying to build up, you know, the bottom portion of the roster, really trying to improve that depth. It's got several, um, preferred walk-ons coming in who had uh, offers from schools, um, which is a good thing. They've utilized the transfer portal heavily, and I think they're going to continue to do so in the future. I think most schools are going to continue to do so in the future. Like It wouldn't surprise me moving forward here if the composition of Arizona's recruiting classes was something like you know, 15 high school players and 10 kids from the transfer portal. It further wouldn't surprise me if a lot of teams who are kind of on that level uh, did the same thing. It's just it's just how things are now. Um, it's going to be a prominent part of team building um, moving forward. So I look at Arizona's schedule, and there's no Stanford, and there's no Oregon State, and the non-conference is BYU on a neutral side, followed by San Diego State and NAU at home. How much progress can Arizona make getting back to 500? Are the pieces of the puzzle there, or is this going to be a rough year? There's going to be a lot of building done, but the record isn't going to reflect any progress. Yeah, I think it's going to be hard to go from you know a 12-game losing streak and 0-5 season to six and six, which, you know, I think would be considered above and beyond um, expectations. Um, so I, the honeymoon period, I think, is going to be longer for Jed Fish than it was for Kevin Sumlin because of the state of program uh, that, that each guy inherited. Remember, when Kevin Sumlin came in, they had Khalil Tate kind of at the height of his powers. They were seven and six the previous year. I mean, it wasn't viewed as a rebuilding project at that time. Maybe we were all fooled because of how good Tate was during that one stretch. Um, but, you know, they were favored in their opener against BYU, I believe, by double digits. Um, and that was probably right where the honeymoon period ended. They lost that game. You know, Tate didn't run. The offense didn't look good. It was kind of downhill from there. Um, they are not going to be favored in this matchup against BYU. Um, a lot of people think that you know they're going to struggle to beat San Diego State. 
uh, in week two, even though that game is here and, you know, it's a G5 team. Um, I think that, you know, something in the range of four and eight is what we might be looking at in year one under Jed Fish. But if they're able to do that, if they're competitive and, you know, they're able to, to beat ASU at the end of the season, I think that would be viewed as a positive considering where they, where they're coming from. Um, so it's, it's kind of all tied into, you know, w- what happened before. And when you've lost 12 games in a row, um, you know, not a lot is, is expected out of you. And the only thing that, you know, Judd Fish has referred to as far as record goes or expectations or how he would define success is he just wants, he just wants Arizona to be a tough out each week, each week. You know, the toughest team that anyone faces in the Pac-12. And the results kind of are what they are. I actually like their receivers uh, as a group. We don't know who's going to be throwing to them, but I think they got a decent set of receivers, although Joyner, one of their better ones, I understand had some foot surgery and probably is going to miss that BYU game. Yeah, Jamari Joyner had a Jones fracture in his foot last spring and then toward the end of this spring he had a recurrence um, of the fracture uh, which I guess happens uh, in a certain percentage of cases and he's going to be out for a while um, he conceivably could, could miss the beginning of the regular season uh, we'll see you know, just super talented player maybe an NFL caliber player um, not something that you want to rush back from um, I like the, you know, kind of the top end quality of that group. I'm not sure the quantity is quite where um, they want it to be. However, um, they don't play nearly as many three and four wide receiver sets as they did um, before. Um, tight end is a legitimate and prominent part of this offense. There are a lot of two tight end sets involved. And when you do that, you know, you really only need two receivers on the field. So, um, they're able to kind of mitigate um, the lack of, of depth a little bit in that regard. Um, Stanley Berryhill, I would say, was probably the MVP of spring uh, on offense, and he was their leading receiver a year ago. Um, and he's the guy, um, I think, who's going to be leading that group this year, no matter who the quarterback is. Well, Michael, we appreciate the uh, the time, the perspective on the rebuild in Arizona, and look forward to seeing the Wildcats play the local teams a couple times this year. Thanks for joining us. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. There's Michael Lev, Arizona Daily Star, talking Wildcat football, and both BYU and Utah will get a crack at the U of A, and we'll see how they handle those guys when we get to college football season. But we're in the stretch run here. The Jazz got a big win. Just blew the Spurs out in the first half. Just blew them off the court. It was even worse than the Monday game, which is hard for me to believe. I didn't see it coming. We'll get to the best of the postgame show next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz blow out the Spurs. I thought with a day off to get ready, and and having played the Jazz, San Antonio could come with a little better better effort and be more competitive, and none of that was true. Well, the part about having the rest was true, but the game wasn't competitive, and the Jazz owned the Spurs in the first half, just blew them off the floor. It was even worse than it was Monday. Hard to believe, but true. Here is the best of the postgame show. Final... In Vivint Arena, the Jazz blow out the San Antonio Spurs 126-94 last night in a game, frankly, it wasn't even that close. Jazz led by 24 at the break. Uh, the starters, no starter went more than 26 minutes. It was a blowout, and the Jazz win both games here at Vivint Arena against the San Antonio Spurs. Post-game recap, let's start with the head coach of the Utah Jazz, Quinn Snyder. All righty, uh, we'll start with Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Quinn. So uh, tonight, Jordan and Bogey go a combined 22 of 29 from the field. Can you just speak to uh, what was working so well for them that they could have that efficient of a night? Well, I think both those guys, you know, are capable of doing that. And there's some nights when, you know, it's going in and some nights when it isn't. Um, You know, tonight obviously was – it was going in, but I think both of them are making quick decisions, you know, when they, when they receive the ball and they're managing, you know, not to necessarily to play, to play in a crowd um, because they're making quick reads, good, good decisions, you know, when to shoot, when to drive, when to pass. All right. Kristen Kenny at Jazz TV. Coach, how do you feel about your team's rhythm right now? Well, you know, I just think we're, we're trying to execute and we're trying to compete. And um, those two things, you know, create, create rhythm. Um, so, you know, every, every time I, you come out and I thought we competed, especially after, you know, playing a team for the second time, um, sometimes that becomes more challenging. And same thing, I, I thought our execution, you know, was good tonight. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. When I was just going to ask about that being the second time you've played this team in three days, that does require a level of execution that's maybe at, at a different level because they kind of know what's coming a little bit. Did you see that level of execution tonight? Um, yeah, yeah, I think the, the biggest thing for us, really from an execution standpoint, is defensively. And, you know, I, I thought we did, you know, did a, a good job there, making sure shots were contested, you know, doing our best to keep them off the foul line. Um, there was a stretch where, you know, they had a few offensive rebounds, which is, you know, obviously, as you know, been an emphasis. But um, other than the, the, the first part of the third quarter where we uh, we turned the ball over a couple times, and I, I think out of that timeout, you know, we began to execute again. And a lot of that for us is just having the discipline and the commitment to running and spacing and, and then sharing the ball. So it's, a, you know, that, that – that's execution in, in many respects, and it's usually reflected when, you know, we're able to get, get good shots. All right, last question, Dana Green, ABC4. Coach, um, being down a couple guys, how uh, important was it that nobody played more than 26 minutes? I mean, this is a tough stretch you're going through right now, and you're able to, you know, get, get the bench guys some play and, and, like I said, not have your main guys go too long. Well, you know, we've, we were fortunate to, to shoot the ball well. Um, 
you know, sometimes there's nights like that, as you mentioned, you know, with Boyan and, and Jordan, you know, just shooting the lights out. And, you know, as, as much as anything, you know, we, we're just trying to compete and execute. I don't know at this point in the year, you know, you obviously want to try to stay fresh, but um, right now to me, it's, it's more of an emotional thing as well as you get towards the end of the year. Um, you know, being able to play through fatigue, really, no matter how many minutes you have, just playing the right way. That's Quinn Snyder addressing the media as the Jazz get the victory final in this one, 126 to 94. Two stars tonight came to play. It was Boyan Bogdanovich and Jordan Clarkson. Let's start with Boyan Bogdanovich, who played 26 minutes, 10 of 13 from the field, and had 24 points, and afterwards talked about the big game. We'll start off with Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Boyan. So you obviously have been, you know, kind of on a tear these last uh, couple of weeks, but it seems like you took it to another level, especially early tonight, whether it was post-ups or finding those seams to the rim. What have you been feeling like in general? And then what were you seeing out there tonight that, that got you off to such a hot start? I mean, I'm, I'm feeling pretty well personally. I'm, I'm just trying to, to be aggressive. I know the team's need me to score more without without especially Donovan but he averaged more than more than 25 points so the game was was great once again for us our defense was on a point they get out they get out with uh with energy but uh but we were we were kind of more focused more more aggressive we control we control defensive board that allow us to to run to run more and and, and have a have easy buckets we kind of they start to go under on our on our screen, so Joe really really punished them with a with a couple threes. So great game. All right, Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV is next. Hey Bogey, it's hard to face a team two times in a row and execute the way you guys did on both occasions. How do you feel about your team's rhythm overall right now? Where you guys are at as you go down the stretch? I mean, our rhythm is it's, it's great. Right now, right now, we kind of figure out how to play without without Donovan and Mike. We are trying to to run more, but uh, but we need those two guys to get a to get a rhythm back because they they are like two most important players for the for our team, probably with uh, with Rudy as well. So so we need them to to get their rhythm back. But uh, until they get back, we are we are trying and we are doing pretty pretty good job. Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Well, yeah, you, you mentioned needing to score a little bit more on since Donovan is out. I'm, we talked to you a bit in, early in the season about how you were struggling a little bit and trying to find your footing after coming back from the injury and not feeling like yourself. Do you think that with Donovan out and having to take on a bigger role that it's kind of gotten you back into a little bit more of your rhythm? I mean, yes, for sure, but I, I would love to to have him back on a on on the floor with us so so he get he get ready for the for the playoffs like I said like I said before but with him with him out I know that I'm gonna have a more shot than I than I used to have this season so so I can be a little bit patient. I don't have to hunt my shot and then take take bad shots so so I'm kinda I'm playing kinda kinda relaxed but it's also good for me to get my, my confidence back and, and, and be ready for the for the playoffs. Next up, Ben Anderson, KSL Sports. Boyan, your finishing has just gotten a lot better 
uh, as the season has gone on. Is that touch? Is that something that went away after you hurt your wrist? Is it just needing to be on the court more? What is it? I mean, I, I was working all the time uh, on my finishes. I know that I was I was struggling big time around the rim, so that also caused me missing missing the three point shot because I didn't have a I didn't make those around the rim, so I didn't have a confidence to to, to shoot a three. So those those easy buckets are falling down right now, and then I'm I'm also shooting better for for three when I get in a game on on, on that wave. So I'm 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 trying to. Trying to work hard, but also I think that, that confidence is it's, it's everything for 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 every player in 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 this league. So I'm I'm getting my my confidence back. Dana Green, ABC Four. Hey, Boyan, you guys have had uh, strong first quarters before, and then not so much in the second or third. But tonight, you guys really kept your foot on the gas. Uh, uh, was that kind of talked about? Like we're up twenty, let, let's let's drive this up to forty. I mean, every every single team in this league got a got a quality, so it's 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 tough to beat to beat the team by, by by thirty, no matter if you are up by by twenty twenty five. So so we are trying to play the the same way. We had a couple couple easy easy turnovers in the uh, beginning of the of the second half. They they punished us in in a fast break, but after after that we had a we had a run. 15-0 or 18-4, I, I cannot remember. So, so we were we were playing the, the same way, but but the other team, the other team got a also also quality and, and great players. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Oh yeah, and you guys were really efficient in offensive transition tonight, scoring a lot of early baskets. What's the key for you guys when you're when you're getting those and getting efficient looks early on in the possession rather than, you know, sometimes maybe some shots are forced or you know that kind of thing. I mean, we are trying we are trying to run like like I said our, our defense was, was great last these two games against San Antonio so we had opportunities to run like I said we had a Joe had a couple easy easy buckets at the beginning of the of the game with them going under under on, on, on his screens and, and, and then they had a, they had their bigs way back so so we were we were pretty pretty efficient like you said. I mean just trying to, to play faster. All right, last question, Ryan Miller KSL. Hey Bobby, what's been the secret to your post up being so successful lately and how do you kind of decide when to post up? I mean, I'm I'm just trying to find uh, to find the matchups. I got a good, great chemistry with uh, with Joe, especially. He's trying to to put me down down on the post and 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 involve me more. So today they were trying to double me. I had a, I had one or two turnovers, so it was it was it was different game. But uh, but yeah, I'm just like I said, I'm trying to, to find myself easy easy buckets. So I'm trying to do whatever whatever it takes. So. I can. I, I used to pause before a lot, so the team is, is coach and then team is trying to to get me involved more over there because we don't have we don't have many many post up players right now. All right, that's Boyan Bogdanovich, twenty four points, also had a couple rebounds as well as two steals and an assist. Did turn it over five times, but let's be honest, really didn't matter that much. Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench, thirty points. On 12 of 16 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3. Also went to the free throw line five times, went 4 of 5, had 6 rebounds, and also dished out 4 assists. And again, continues to play well. And again, talked about his performance and the team performance overall in the postgame show. We will start with Matt Coles, AP. 
Hey, Jordan, Bogey just said that confidence is the key to any, you know, player's game. What steps do you take to regain your confidence after you've been in a slump? Uh, I ain't even – I mean, I don't really pay attention to that stuff. Uh, I think we talked about it early this morning. I forgot who it was, but they kind of asked me something like that. Uh, like I said, I'm a hooper. I'm going sh- to shoot my shots. You know, they're going to go in sometimes. They're going to – you're going to miss. It's part of the game. You know, uh, slumps is part of what happens, you know, throughout a long season. Um, you know, just it is what it is. You know, I keep my head down, keep grinding, keep taking the shots that are there, uh, keep trying to make the plays. And um, when they fall, you know, it feels good. But, you know, I'm always confident. I'm always going to take those shots and, uh, you know, keep it rolling. Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Jordan, uh, through a lot of the early part of the season, um, Donovan especially would say to us that, you know, it's not about what, how you're playing in January, February, February, more about how you're playing in April, May and heading into the playoffs. I mean, I know you guys are playing without him right now, but uh, is tonight kind of a representation of what he was talking about? Like, this is how you want to be playing at this point in the season? Oh, uh, yeah, especially defensively. I feel like we really locked in. Um you know, took the game plan, our coverages and everything, you know, really, uh, you know, really, you know, really serious and really locked in on that. And, uh, you know, you see the, the the deficit, you know, that we had them down and stuff like that. Uh, it's just us locking in and really focusing on the small things, little details uh, that coach puts us in. And then offensively, uh, we just kept keep doing what we're doing all year, you know, moving the ball, sharing the ball, spacing and, and shooting threes. But um you know, we just got to keep continuing to lock in on those uh, small things, especially getting late in the year. I think we have, what, five, six more games left. Uh, we just got to tune it up these these last ones and uh, get ready for that time. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune is next. Jordan, you had that pretty awesome third quarter, including that shot near the end of the quarter where you just had that contortionist throw it up to beat the clock one that went in. I know you said that you're you're a hooper and you're always going to shoot your shots and stay confident. But on a night like tonight, when you're being that efficient, does it feel different? Can you tell when you're just in a total groove like that? I mean, when you see the ball go through the net early in the game, and you know a good flow to the game, uh, definitely is a a good feeling about it. Um, you know, wants you to keep making plays and 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 keep it rolling. So definitely was feeling good for the shots to go in. Uh, I feel like, you know, a lot of these games that, you know, that I've been, you know, in a slump or whatever, um, you know, a lot of a lot of them just rolling out and, you know, missing, you know, they're right on point. So, you know, that's why I said I'm just going to keep taking them and, and keep playing. You know, coach wants us to play this style, um, keep doing what we're doing. So, you know, that's all I could do. Uh, Maxime Lagorge, uh, free agent out of France. Um how do you explain the fact that they don't double you tonight, even if the league know you are the fit, you are fit in this team? Uh, say that again. Uh, why is it don't double you uh, in defense on you, even uh, if you are fit? Oh, uh, you talking about the defense? Yes, on you. Oh, when they, uh, you know, it's just making the plays. You know, you see. Um, I'm trying to get off the ball when, you know, teams are, you know, doubling, sending defenses uh, at me. I think Toronto played a box of one for a second. It was weird. Um, 
you know, guys are blitzing me off the off the handoffs, but I'm trusting my teammates, making the plays, making the next one, making the next pass. Um, you know, I've been seeing a lot of uh, game planning and, you know, a lot of stuff in this uh, second half of the season since All-Star break. So, um, definitely tuning it up for this uh, playoffs and, and uh, you know, seeing what they what they showing early. Uh, a lot of a lot of teams showing their hands a little early on on game planning, but uh, I'll be ready for it when it's time. All right, Dana Green, ABC Four. Hey Jordan, another uh, fast start for you guys. Thirty eight points in the first quarter. What was the key of keeping that uh, that pedal to the metal and and blowing this thing wide open? Uh, just keep continuing what we're doing. Like I said, we locked in defensively, really. Um, rotating, talking, communicating, shrinking the floor. Makes the game so much easier for us when we when we play it fast and in transition, you know, because we can all get in the paint and make plays. And then it's just, the floor is just spread because we got so many guys that can shoot the ball. Um, big thing for us is Trent is really coming along uh, these, these, these last games and really playing at a good pace and uh, making the right plays and doing that. And then Mie comes in with this this uh, amazing energy and crashing the glass. And last game he do, dove on the floor like three times. I haven't seen that in the NBA game in a long time. So um, it's definitely good to see these young guys out here running, um, playing hard. And it's, it's that's big for us uh, going into this stretch uh, these last games. All right. And last question, Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Speaking of crashing the glass, uh, you did have six rebounds yourself tonight. I know coach is always preaching rebounding. Is that more of a focus for you? Um, yeah, you know, he kind of got on us, um, you know, really hard on that, you know, because we know teams are crashing the glass and um, we know Rudy's coming over to block shots. We know we got to box bigger guys out. So, um, you know, we just all, all – really focused on it. It's a whole team effort. And, um, you know, I'm getting some of those long rebounds that are kind of rolling uh, after Rudy tips him a few times or Faves tips him a few times. And, you know, we off to the races after that. So um, we're just doing a good job of concentrating on that. And, um, you know, we just got to keep take it to another level. So there's your jazz recap. Great performances from Boyan Bogdanovich as well as Jordan Clarkson and, of course, Quinn Snyder leading the way. Jazz will have a night off tonight before playing against the Denver Nuggets. A big one coming up on Friday. Jazz got a little help as well as the Atlanta Hawks ended up blowing out the Phoenix Suns of the Jazz all by themselves in the top spot of the Western Conference. Back with you on Friday night, it's the Jazz and the Nuggets, and you'll hear it right here on the Zone Sports Network. There's the best of the postgame show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are on the way. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports as DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Ingles works the left side, penetrates, flares out to Bogdanovich. Wide open, straight down the barrel, three, hit it. Bogdanovich driving, kissing it off the window and in. Boyan's got 19 in the first half on nine shot attempts. Clarkson steps back for a three and hit it. Wow. The body power and strength. He was about four feet inside the three-point line. Clarkson, James Worthy, rolling hook through the lane, scores it. Maybe Magic Johnson 79-80 finals, rolling hook. 
There's David Locke on the call as the Utah Jazz annihilate the San Antonio Spurs again. The Jazz win the season series 3-0. They blow them out in all three games. They blow them out twice in three games here. San Antonio's 10th in the West, and Jazz fans wouldn't be upset if San Antonio won twice and played their way into the 8th seed and played the top seeded Jazz in the opening round. I don't think the odds of that are very good at all. But it wouldn't upset anybody if it happened because, PK, that was easy. Yes, it was. <laughs> and neither one of us saw it coming. We both thought no. with rest the Spurs could mount a better effort. They just saw them, the scouting report. They could tweak it and do better. And no, they were down 24 points at halftime. Uh, yeah, I think so. What were you saying, DJ? <laughs> I know what you're doing. <laughs> I don't know if the audience does, but I know what you're doing. <laughs> What am I doing? Oh, there was a tweet yesterday from someone who thought you had to wake up earlier and bring it. Did you just roll out of bed? So now you're yawning like you work for a website in Berkeley that covers the Cal Bears. Boom! Yes, Yach, I went there. Worst guest ever. That was a good guy. Because that guy actually, and that was, how long ago was that, Yach? Four or five years ago? That guy was just ripping off yawns on the air. And the Bears... Whoa, we got a grizzly bear. Literally, the California state flag just came to life. It's bad. I think it was a Facebook post that criticized me. No, it was a Facebook. You're right. You're right. By 7 a.m., I mean, I've been bench pressing for at least 45 minutes, as I had witnesses testify (laughs) yesterday. (laughs) Testify, people! (laughs) Yeah, it's funny, because we all thought, and Harpering was talking about it. Oh, I was right there with him. I know. He came clean. I love that. Well, you had to because we thought that the Spurs rested would give a better effort, and I can argue strongly that it was a much worse effort, particularly under the circumstances. And obviously Clarkson was on fire and bogey, and it's been a real, I don't want to say startling development, but it's been a, not even a surprise, it's just been a pleasant development to see him go and take over the role as Donovan Mitchell in terms of the leading scorer and do it so effectively. I mean, my confidence for this team, I think today, this morning, is at a season all-time high, which is a little bit crazy to say because the confidence level's been pretty high this season. But right now, I don't think that I've ever been more confident in this team having success in the postseason. Now, at the same time, I was predicting that the Spurs would give the Jazz a difficult game. So what the heck do I know? But nevertheless, (laughs) I feel a high level of confidence. And I don't care who you're playing, the Lakers, and, you know, you're not playing, as long as you're not playing the Magic Lakers, I'm pretty confident that they've got a shot to have big-time success in a Western Conference playoffs. I'm mostly with you, but i got to admit, I'm not all the way there with you. I'm still a little worried about this team's health. They got two guys down. I thought not playing Conley back-to-back, he was going to be able to get through this and be fine. And he's been gone for coming up on a couple weeks now. But you don't need him. Donovan's been out. Yeah, you do. Not now. Well, no, not not now. But you got to get him back and get the rust off before you have big playoff games. Oh, he's 33 years old. What what rust? Run him through a couple of practices. When he missed 20 games last year. Last year. 20-ish. Right. Last year. Last year. He played poorly in about six games when he came back, and then he was great in that eight to ten games, whatever it was, until things shut down. And when he came back in the bubble, he was great. He was mentally prepared to be great. He had adjusted, but he needed the half dozen games to get the rust off and get good again. 
I don't think that uh, last year is a fair indicator. And so what? He needs the rust off. Well, that's called the first round. And it may if you well need, be. That if is you need thing. Mike Conley to be at the top of his game in the first round, then you've got trouble. Where they're seated, that well could be true because it does look like, and we'll have to see who the teams are and if they're healthy and blah, blah, blah. But it does look like the four teams have pulled away. Dallas, their record's a little misleading. They seem to be better in the second half of the season than the first. And if the Lakers are healthy. So five and six could be tough series. I don't think the seven and eight seeds are. I'm still not convinced the Lakers are going to drop to seven. They might. We'll have to see. But if the Jazz hold on to the one seed where they are now, it won't matter. You know, it's, a, it's tough to beat a team and sweep a series three times in the year, except now we've seen Minnesota and Phoenix sweep the Jazz. And we've seen the Jazz sweep Memphis and San Antonio, and I may be leaving somebody out. I, I never believed it was tough. I believe if you yeah. have the better team, you do it. Not the best team, because you can only have the best team if it's more than two. So quit saying in a series, the best team wins. Because the best team doesn't win. The better team wins. Attention, grammarians. Professor Kinahan has English class in session. So... As much as the Jazz were great last night, and they were, I thought the Spurs. Guys, how about matching up on a fast break, giving Royce O'Neal a wide-open three because nobody goes to guard him? There's five of you back. Somebody get over on that side of the floor. What are you doing? I got a catch-all phrase. How about trying? Okay, there's that. And I watched NBA TV last night. Does it go something different? See what they say. Oh, this playoff game, this playoff thing is great. Every team is playing hard. Did you just watch the game you broadcast? San Antonio looked lost. They didn't give a crap. The, the coach was worried about that tour that he's going on with Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Ah. Teach your players to play defense. Clarkson and Bogdanovich combined to shoot 76% from the floor. That's outrageous. And granted, they got a lot of great looks and they made them. But even when you get no confidence. Open looks, I have in the team all season right now this morning on Willie Mays' 90th birthday. The Jazz play the Denver Nuggets at home tomorrow night. On paper, it looks like far and away the most difficult game left on the schedule. Six games to go. This looks like not the better, but the best of the six teams the Jazz will face. On paper. On my computer screen. Update your sayings, buddy. On my phone. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Game in front of Dotson. Goes behind his back. Fade away three at the buzzer. Buries it. Damian Lillard extends the Blazers lead to 22. He's got 32. Ojale entering to Taco Fall. Got it on the baseline against Bamba. Celtics bench wants him to go. Dribbling between his legs. Taco attacks the paint. Turns. Gets Bamba up in the air. Steps through and scores. And the Celtics bench goes bananas. Anderson's in the left corner. Moran on the left wing. To the left elbow. Step back. 16-footer. Knocks it down. John Morant with another big bucket. Composo back over to Jokic at the nail, guarded by Noel. Puts the ball on the floor, gets down the lane, blow by, and the layup is up and in. Several games involving Western contenders last night, but all eyes on the Phoenix Suns. They were in Atlanta. They were going back-to-back after an OT game in Cleveland, and they were right there, 71-70, nine minutes to go in the third quarter. And the legs went, PK. 
It was over. Atlanta pulled away from 71-70 and won 135 to 103. They won the second half 68 to 38. Yikes. That's a beating. Yeah, it really is, uh, but they're a good team. I don't know that they're a great team. Uh, maybe they are. Remains to be seen. They'll get that opportunity to prove it. And, uh, you know, they had shots fall in, in that overtime. And they, outside of Booker, really, Bridges had an okay game. But nobody else really did anything special. And then the Hawks are decent. I mean, they're, like, I forget what it was. 23 and 23 and 10 yeah. now. With Nate McMillan yeah. in charge, everything has changed. They were terrible, That's, and they are now. A, that was a great television show, Nate McMillan in charge. I always loved that show. <laughs> That's a uh, 23-10. That's better than a 55-win pace over the course of a season. Now you have to sustain it over time. You hear dumb paces. Yeah, that's a. They're Atlanta's killing it. Now watch them. They'll check out to the Knicks in the first round. But Atlanta's killing it. Well, I got some nice players. So the Phoenix Suns are now one game behind the Jazz. They lose. They drop a game behind the Jazz with six to go. They got the tiebreaker, but they're going to have to outperform the Jazz here in the final half dozen games and. They're on the road for four of them, so we'll see if they're able to pull this off. Well, I watched the Suns post-game show, and they're talking about how you know the schedule from here on out. You don't know who's going to play, but mm-hmm. on paper, mm-hmm. it uh, is uh, pretty difficult. I don't think they have any non-playoff teams left. If I remember what uh, Eddie Johnson, the old sharpshooter, was talking about. Uh, so, what does that mean? If they get an opportunity to succeed, well, then they'll go into the postseason with a ton of momentum. And I thought if the Suns won last night, they would win the conference, but obviously they didn't. Right. They uh, they play the Knicks Friday night while the Jazz are playing the Denver Nuggets. And while they do play all the playoff teams, that generously includes a new play-in because they wrap up with two games in San Antonio. So we'll see if the Spurs have anything on the table in those last two games. Right now they're sitting in the 10th spot. Maybe they will have pulled away from the Pelicans and clinched it and have nothing to go for at that point. We'll have to see. And I don't the, the Lakers, okay, the Lakers are a playoff team, but they don't have LeBron, and they're, they're playing them Sunday. LeBron right. hasn't been pulled out I don't for know Sunday. who's going right. to play. I just said, as you said, on paper. On but paper. I would like to upda- update that because I think on paper is an old – uh, it's it's too, too old of a phrase. It's like I was listening the other day, and that you know, song – In Theory – Call me came on. Would it be not today instead of call me? Would it be text me? Message me on Instagram. No, what exactly would it be if that song came out to DM me? My life, DM me, DM me anytime. Well, that's what it would have to be now, right? Like, call me. Who calls? Get out of town. You get a phone call. Well, your first thing you look at, you see, oh, my, it's a family member. Who died? Okay, PK, here's a good one. Slide into my DMs. Slide into my DMs! It's a little wordy, but I think you'd have to do it. Portland beat Cleveland. I guess Cleveland was gassed just like Phoenix was gassed. Portland won 141-105. to So Phoenix and Cleveland play that overtime game, and then Phoenix goes off and gives up 135 points, and the Cavs go off and give up 141 points. Now they suck because they were able to get home and they didn't have to travel. They're just not good. Portland rolling to the victory, which, of course, is intriguing because Portland is in that three-way race for fifth in the West. Dallas 
L.A., the Lakers, and the Portland Trailblazers. Three teams separated by a half game, 5-6-7. Portland is the seventh team, a half game back at the other two right now, but got a little work done last night with that win. And the Denver Nuggets also won in New York. They win 113-97. The Joker with 32 points and 12 rebounds in that game, so. I don't think that was in New York. I think it was. It was in Denver. Denver. It was in Denver. It was at altitude. And Knicks got beat. The uh, Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie Irving have been fined thirty-five thousand dollars each for violating the NBA's media access rules. The fines result from Irving's repeated refusal to participate in post-game media availability. Rules require players to be made available upon request before or after games. I wonder when he's like 50 and nobody gives a crap what he thinks, if he's going to realize, why did I have to make things so difficult? Probably. I hope he ends up in the media, ex-athlete on TV somewhere, doing Nets post-game shows or something. He's got something to do, stay around the sport. That'd be great. Mm, I think you got to be at least somewhat uh, friendly. <laughs> you got to be somewhat that, friendly. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, might go to somebody else. Milwaukee Bucks want to sign former BYU guard Elijah Bryant and bring him back stateside immediately. He's been playing in Israel, doesn't have a buyout in his contract, and released to make the move would have to be negotiated. Knicks have agreed in principle to sign an Argentine guard. He's what, Luca Vildoza? How'd I do? As well as I would. All right, good. Four Uh, years, 13 million. I looked him up, but so many of these guys, he's 25 years old, Mm -hmm. 6'3. Because I saw that yesterday. I had no idea who he was. But so many of them have modest statistics when they yep. play. Oh, yeah. 40-minute games. and it, It's hard to figure out, but they obviously think he's uh, some type of a player. And decent size. Uh, wiry kind of guy. Saw some little film available on him, but, I, I mean, I don't know. But that's it. And it's not a ton of money either by any stretch. Four years, $13 million. It's a modest number. Yeah, you look at the what the, the exception is, and you're like, "Wow, this guy's getting three mil a year." But for him, he gets to be in the NBA, prove he can do it, and it's still a pile of money in real life. So, right, good for him. Sure, DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Nolan Eric, and and I think I know him fairly well. If he has a grudge whether it be against the organization or a player or an, an arch rival or family, friends, he ain't budging. I don't see him coming back and, and, and saying, if this is not resolved, however, whatever the issue is, if it's not resolved, or even if it's resolved, but he feels like they got one up on him, he ain't gonna play. No one Aaron, he would, he would sit that's Brett Favre on a uh, podcast there. The Packers have begun exploring quarterbacks they can add to the roster for the upcoming organized team activities and training camp because they just don't know what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. Officially, his status with the club is currently unknown. Well, Favre knows him, obviously, yep. and uh, he has, uh, speaking of Rodgers, grudges because he's had some family issues there. Falling out that has not been repaired over a long period of time. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a tough one right there. Uh, his brother, I think, is a, is his brother a quarterback coach too? Yeah, Jordan Rogers. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And played? Did he play a little bit as a backup? Uh, but there's some issues there. So Cincinnati, if I recall. Maybe 
If uh, I thought he went to UTEP. Well, he, in co- NFL played in Cincinnati. Sorry. Oh, 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 UTEP gotcha. in college. You're right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, I think that uh, there's a possibility there. It seems outrageous at his at his advanced age, but I gotta believe Favre knows what he's talking about to an extent. Jacksonville Jaguars have reportedly fired four longtime staff members. Urban Meyer putting his stamp on the organization. Assistant Director of Player Personnel Andy Dengler out. Chris Driggers, Director of Pro Personnel Mark Ellens, Director of College Scouting. Paul Royal, Assistant Director of College Scouting. All four fired on Monday, a combined 66 years of experience. Driggers, one of six remaining staff members who joined the franchise back in 1994. On the well, it sucks for those guys, but it's not exactly like they were winning. Nope. And it was a shortage of talent, especially at key possession positions, and there you go. You're running player personnel and college scouting. You kind of get it. Yeah. Not that outrageous. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. In the line, first pitch. A swing and a line drive. It is caught by the shortstop, Urias. And John Means has done it in Seattle. He has thrown a no-hitter as the Orioles take down the Mariners 6 to nothing. John Means joins the elite ranks of Orioles pitchers who have thrown a no-hitter. It is the first individual no-hitter since Jim Palmer in 1969. The first overall no-hitter since 1991 in Oakland. And today... A day that John Means will never forget. Cinco de Mayo, a no-hitter for Means as the Orioles come rushing out of the dugout, out of the bullpen, hugs all around. Means has done it. He has thrown a no-hitter against the Seattle Mariners. It could have been a perfect game, PK. He's got to settle for for a no-hitter. Strike three, wild pitch. Runner makes it to first base, and that wrecks the perfect game. And it, they even got him out, so they didn't have a, a runner left on base. He faced the minimum 27, but there was somebody on base, so it's not a perfect game. Are you upset that you can get to first base on a on a strike three? No. Well, you, you, can, you can only do it under certain circumstances. If it, the first base it occupied with less than two outs, you can't. So it's just one of these quirky rules of the game. But if yep. you look at John by any means, he didn't exactly look disappointed. Hmm. <laughs> in that situation there. He was dominant. And the Baltimore Orioles, they've sucked here recently, obviously, but they have one of the better franchises. The first no-hitter by an individual, I'm meaning obviously they must have had some team no-hitters. Yeah, the bullpen the came in and finished uh, it off. But Jim Palmer in 69? I mean, that, that uh, that's a great organization. Not here recently, as I say, but that's a long, long time ago, man. What, uh, 50 years? So? 50, 52 years. Yeah, that that really struck me as surprising when I heard that. Now, we all, Jim Palmer was one of the best guys ever, right, in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Scottsdale kid, Arizona State, although he did not play ball there. He was going to go, but uh, the coach said uh, you should get to some summer ball before you get to ASU. He kicked butt in the summer league, and he got drafted. <laughs> so, <laughs> Oops. And he's adopted. One of your uh, successful adoption stories, Jim Palmer. I don't know how many people. He's a local guy in Arizona, and everybody used to talk about him when I was a kid. That's why I know that. But uh, Means had it going on. Good for him. So he gets a no-hitter, first since uh, by an individual pitcher since 69. The Padres had one about three weeks ago, which was their first ever, and they started in 69. So 
cleaning up some long streaks here. People getting their no-nos. The Padres got a win. They beat the Pirates 4-2. They're going to play a series with the Giants for first place in the National League West. The Giants have the top spot despite a 6-5 loss to the Rockies. And the Dodgers have now lost 13 out of 17. Cubs beat them 6-5. The Dodgers have dropped to third in the West after an awesome 13-2 start when they were going to win 140 games or something ridiculous. Suddenly, They've gone 4-13 and in PK. Half those losses, you can easily pin on the bullpen. Some 7th, uh, I think it was one 7th inning collapse, but it's mostly 8th and 9th and, and like 5 extra inning games, including games where they've had the lead twice in extra innings and couldn't do it. The bullpen's been a disaster. Yeah, but I don't know about uh, extra inning leads when you start a runner on second base. I don't think that's a fair assessment where they've had the lead in extra innings. If you want the lead in extra innings, you better score two or three runs minimum because you don't even need to get a hit, literally, to score a run in extra innings. So it's a little bit misleading. But that was going to be the weakness if there was one. Uh, they, don't, they don't have the best defensive club, and they've had a couple of games. I think it's been more team-oriented, too. There have been some games where they haven't hit. It's a funny game. Uh, I flicked it on after the... Uh, jazz game because uh, it was on the ESPN and Jock Peterson the former Dodger thinks he hits a game winner in OT but it's just like a warning track and he flips the bat and he looks at the dugout and he's going to start to go in his jog and Mookie Betts was like five feet from the wall (laughs) really wasn't even close and then Rizzo gets a double play but he doesn't step on the base so he throws ahead and he was like at half a foot away and they tagged the runner for going from first to second, but because he didn't step on first, they didn't get the batter out, and uh, the Dodgers scored. But then he comes up with the winning hit. One of those crazy deals. The Reds, good news, bad news, good news. They beat the White Sox 1-0, bad news. They lose Joey Votto. He's going to miss a month. He broke his thumb in the win. So yeah. Reds losing a little firepower right there. Sure. Uh, Marcelo Zuna, Grand Slam as Atlanta beat the Nationals 5-3. And Didi Gregorius, Grand Slam, eighth of his career as the Phillies beat the Brewers 5-4. And the Bees, you ready for some baseball? Yeah, good news. Back tonight, first pitch, 635. Steve Klauke on the call on 1280 The Zone. At Smith Ballpark against the Reno Aces tonight. It's the Diamondbacks, AAA. What are they letting in, 3,000? Is that what it is? I believe right around that number, yeah. Going 20%, yeah. huh? Yep. And this will be the uh, summer-like weather, so I yeah. don't know what the ticket situation is, but if you've got an opportunity to get out to the ballpark, you can hear the game right here on the zone at uh, 635, and they probably have a, they got a pregame, right? Yeah, 630, they go, they'll go live. You can go to slbs.com, see what tickets are remaining, if there are any. Yeah, so it's glad to have him back. You know, last summer for me anyway was the first summer since I moved here that I haven't been out to that ballpark because that ballpark opened, I think, the year that I moved here. It did. Yeah, and so at multiple times you go out, and obviously last year you couldn't do it. So I'm excited for it. Uh, some of the other, and they, they've revamped the uh, whole. There's no Pacific Coast League anymore, and some of the other leagues started earlier. And this version of the West Coast AAA is getting under underway tonight and that's great what is trending is brought to you by shamrock plumbing there is no job too big or too small get the personal touch with shamrock plumbing call them at 801-295-1690 that's shamrock plumbing 
Coming up this morning, Craig Bullerjack's going to join us at 8.30 and Joe Ingles at the top of the 9 o'clock hour. So look forward to that. We'll have Joe coming up at 9. The question of the day is next. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Different athletes have wanted parts of the franchise before. Didn't you get 15 points in your uh, semi-pro hockey team? Didn't you, didn't you get 15% of that club? <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah. But I was, uh, I don't want to get into what it. What was the name of the goalie you had on that team there, Gordon? Well, for a couple of years it was Bill Puxley, but, you know, I, mean, uh, I, I sort of, we've parted ways. I haven't really kept up with him. Bill Puxley, <laughs> man, he could really stop that puck. <laughs> Not to be confused no, with the no, right no. winger, John Ice Nettington. <laughs> Catch the big show weekday from 2 to 7, presented by Big O Tires, the team you trust on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes to Toast, brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Cadillac owners may have changed, but luxury hasn't. Come see the bold new lineup of Cadillac at Jerry Seiner Cadillac today. Question of the day, inspired by yet another convincing victory over the Spurs, combined with that Suns loss. The Jazz are back in first place. One game in front of Phoenix with six games left. All is well, question mark. Brian says Phoenix will lose two more times to close out the season. I can't see the Jazz losing three, so it's looking good. All right. Phoenix also plays the Spurs the last two games, so we'll see what happens. Yes, we will, but I don't really care about what Phoenix does. I'm looking about the Jazz. Right now, I stand by my statement earlier. I believe this morning, on Willie Mays' 90th birthday, the greatest baseball player ever to be born, that I feel the most confidence for the Jazz' success in the postseason than I felt all season. I'd be with you if the Jazz didn't have two starters, two all-stars over there, not healthy on the bench. One That's of them the kind of unexpectedly reason. in my mind, and the other one for longer than I expected. That's the very reason why I feel this confident. Ironically, I wouldn't feel as confident if they were back right now because I don't think Bogdanovich gets in the flow as much as he can and has and has been doing and did. He was struggling for a good portion of the season. Now he is lighting it up. While they've been out, because of the increased opportunity, he's been able to reestablish his shooting confidence. It had gone. It had deserted him to the point where he even talked about it. And I don't have any problem acknowledging the obvious. We all knew it anyway. And so... He's got that back, and he's got that back in abundance. I have to believe, and I didn't follow his career that closely uh, when he was in the Eastern Conference, obviously, but I have to believe right now today he feels like he's playing the best ball he's ever played in the NBA, and that's a great sign. He goes into the postseason his most confident, and Joe Ingles, it's the same thing with him. They had on ESPN, he... He leads the league in left-handed bounce passes by a foreign-born player or something. Some crazy stat that he wasn't even aware of. He's playing well. Niang is getting an opportunity that he wouldn't have gotten with those two players in there. 
Now, I'm assuming, and maybe it's too much of an assumption, but I'm assuming those two players come back and do what they do, and in their absences, I've got other guys who have stepped up and raised their game to where they should be. Philly Cup, there's no reason why Jordan Nag shouldn't be the most confident he's ever been as an NBA player right now today. So you combine all that, that leads me to believe that I have the most confidence that I've had all season in this team right now. The stat Joe Ingles leads the league in is not left-handed bounce passes by a foreign-born player. Although I would love that stat, Joe would probably do quite well. True shooting percentage, and ESPN did a big thing on it, and Joe dropped the line. I honestly Googled it one time trying to figure out what they're talking about, and I had no bleeping ideas still after reading it. I didn't understand it when they said it. I didn't understand it when I Googled it. That's just people getting bored, so let's reinvent the wheel. And come up, I'm smarter than you, so I've come up with a new stat, blah, 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 blah. And do, do we really need to look at that stuff to know he's playing the best he's ever played? Doesn't the eye test tell you? In the simple stats tell you what he's doing? I mean, in 10 years, they'll have some other stats because people will be bored with that and, and have to be smarter than the next guy. And good, good on them. Come up with as many stats as you want. Uh, it boils down to how good you are out on the floor. So he's playing well. He stepped up his game, and he does so many things. As he said on our show once, he thought one of the reasons if he didn't make it in the league is because he was pretty good at everything and not great at some stuff, and you need to have some greatness in you to be in this league and be a player on this league and be a, a very good player on a team with the best record in the league, and he's got it. So these two come back. There's no reason why they don't come back and play well. I got the most confidence. Now, what does that mean? I mean, I can have the most confidence in the Houston Rockets today than I've had all season. Yeah, they're still going nowhere. So I don't know where they're going, but I can honestly say I have the most confidence in them today than I've had all season. We got people weighing in with a wide range of answers. We got cynics and critics out there. Neil. Where are all those woe-is-me doomsday prophets? The fans batting down the hatches, preparing for the inevitable doom. I hope they're in Hilldale. Leroy says, all's well that ends well. Ask me in six games. That won't actually be the end. It'll be the end of the regular season, but just, just ups, the the, beginning. ups the stakes at that point. We've only just begun. To play in the playoffs. Craig says four wins out of the next six should do it. He's counted down to the top spot. You have multiple people here penciling the Suns in for two losses. Here, Blair, here's a little negativity. The Lakers, the Clippers, even Phoenix. They still don't fear the Jazz in the seven-game series. The Jazz have not earned it yet. They need to go deep this year, then win all the games they're supposed to win next year to be seen as a real threat, not just a pesky obstacle to be overcome in the playoffs. Yeah, if they win it all this year, I I think they'll be feared next year, but that's nothing to be worried about next season by any stretch right now. Jonathan's in full-on wait-and-see mode. Let's beat the Nuggets on Friday, and then we can assess how we feel. Season has been a bit of a roller coaster. That game could accelerate the hopes if they win, and yes. They got the best record in the league, and it's been a roller coaster? Oh, absolutely. 
What are you talking about? <laughs> Anytime they go through a stretch where they don't win some games, when they're winning 20 out of 21, everyone's feeling great. But they go through a stretch of 500 basketball, and the negativity and the doomsday stuff is right there. We've been, been reading it and seeing it all year. That's you personally every have team, not. Then. You personally have not. But... The stuff we see on social media, fans have absolutely ridden the, ridden the well, roller coaster. That's every team in the history of any professional sport. And I think there's some truth to that. I think the Lakers are riding the roller coaster big time. They're the defending champs. Okay, but, but if and you're if not they're doing, healthy, if, everybody's picking them. But they're not If healthy. it's nothing different than every other team, then it's not news. Do you think Phoenix, what do you think the, the fan base in Phoenix is thinking? Because they're really the parallel to the Jazz. they got a great record. They've had more health than most of the league. And they have no history, no recent history of winning the playoffs. They don't have a guy in their roster who's done it the way the Lakers have, well, the Lakers are the defending champs, but the way the Clippers have Kawhi and the Nets have Durant. Guys who've done it. They've been to the mountaintop. They know what it takes. Well, then put in Milwaukee and, yes. and, and Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that's my that's whole true. thing. The, the, if you're one of many, then there's nothing to it. That's just the way it is. And in this league, that's the way it is all the time because hardly anybody wins. This is the most predictable sports league at the professional level that we have. And so just a few guys win it, and they win often. And it's been that way, oh, only since the days of Bill Russell. (laughs) So how's that? This is not news. It was literally like that before Bill Russell. But I get your point for a long, long, long long time. I I don't know who played before Bill Russell. George Mikan and the Minneapolis Lakers won five titles in six years. I don't even know that. I wouldn't have. I've heard of the name, yeah. and I knew the Lakers were in Minnesota, but there's no way I could have told you they won five titles in six years. But good for George. He was recognized as the first dominant big man when dominant big men used to be they the gold the ticket. League. Yeah, they yeah. were the golden ticket. They ruled but the league. But that's changed so much now. So I, you got to give me something that's different. If it's, just, if it's standard, then we don't get on the radio here and talk about stuff that's standard. That's boring. Go find out what Jill Biden did to save the world when she was in town yesterday. Flick the station. We've got to give him something that's not the, the standard. That Everybody's a roller coaster then. Then nobody's accomplished anything except for three guys. Scott says, I'm not sure. There's a balance between having health and chemistry. Mitchell and Conley need playing time to shake off some of the rust. Can they just show up cold turkey after all this time off and return immediately to dominance? What's well, the first round? Did I need them to be dominant when I've got Bogdanovich and Clarkson and Joe doing their thing and Niang playing the best and mm-hmm. Rudy's consistent and he gives you all that stuff? So won't the playoffs allow for that? Isn't it set up? Isn't the format set up? And Mitchell is going to go from 0 to 100 just because he played in the first round? I don't think he's going to be at 0. I don't think Conley's going to be at 0. They're going to be at least 50 on a scale of one of zero to 100 in the first round. And if I got all these other guys doing that, isn't that good enough? And so the system will allow them to have those break-in games or comeback games or however you want to phrase it. So what are we worried about here? Man, I, I'm telling you, July 28th, it's going to be so hot, and my air conditioner is going to break down in my car, in my house, and the portable fans won't work. Why don't I just worry about a bunch of crap that's probably not going to happen? Come on, people! 
My goodness. I do think, and I said this in the last segment, I do think that if they don't come back until the playoffs, the first round could be more forgiving than a lot of people expect. The Jazz are crushing it against some of these teams that are sitting between 7 and 10. And it looks like the Jazz, they haven't clinched it yet, but it looks like they're going to have one of the top two picks. They only need to go 3 and 3, and they've got three terrible teams on the schedule. Houston's awful. Oklahoma City is horrific. And I'm forgetting who the other one is. But, oh, Sacramento. Break, it's Sacramento. Break down the schedule tomorrow. They'll, we'll wait till Saturday actually they should, to do it. They should crush those three teams. So they should be top two. They should get seven or eight. And yes, there's a chance the Lakers will be there. But there's a better chance they're going to be facing a team that they've dominated like the Grizzlies. So the first round could be pretty forgiving and help these guys get back into, uh, get back into top form. It's all set up. The door's open. All you got to do is walk through it. It's right there for you. How do you not have the most confidence that you've had in the Jazz all season than right now? Because Mitchell and Conley are hurt. That's the only thing I get that people could be hanging on right now. That's that's the thing. But their hurtness has allowed these other guys to flourish. Yes. That's the point that I'm trying to make. I would say the other thing, and I don't know how the audience, I haven't really heard people talk about this, but we have seen with Joe. And it's true with Joe, and it might be true with Bogey, and we will get to it next. DJ no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold what? On. We got called out last night by an expert. No. I to get, yes, an expert. All right, we got to get to both of these things next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK brought to you in part by SNS Roofing. Their huge winter and spring sales event is going on now where you can save thousands on a new roof. Call pound 250 and say SNS Roofing for your free bid. All right, PK's been talking about he's got the most confidence in the Jazz he's had all year. His confidence cup overfloweth. Me dialing it back, worried about a couple of the injuries, getting those guys healthy and getting them to fit in. Acknowledging, though, that the first round could be good for that. The first round matchup may not as be as difficult as uh, what some teams are going to face. Jazz could be setting themselves up for something uh, a little easier in the opening round. I'll have to see how that plays out because we can't really predict that whole 7-10 through 10 play-in thing. That's a bit of a wild card that we can't predict right now. So, PK, the thing about reincorporating the two guys and you're saying, yeah, but these other guys have got it figured out, the problem is... We've seen Joe go off when he gets a bigger role, when either Donovan is out or when Conley is out. Right now they're both out, and he had 14 points and seven assists last night. He looked great, hit some big threes. Uh, He's going to join us at 9 o'clock this morning, top of the 9 o'clock hour. But we've also seen that when both those guys come back, his role's reduced, his touches are reduced, his shots go down, his points go down, all the stats sink, and the other guys are running the show, and he seems to you know, let them run the show, and his impact is lessened. And so I'm wondering if that's going to happen with Bogey. It may not. The ball may go to him on the wing, and he may decide, I'm taking this guy to the hoop. And he may just catch and shoot threes just like their layups. He's playing with his most confidence of the season, and... I don't know that he's the healthiest he's been. It's in the last week. They've had shots of him during the game holding the wrist because it's gotten hit or he's fallen on it or whatever. So I don't know that it's just a health thing with him. He's just clearly more confident. And he's scoring more waves. A few post-ups, a few drives to the rim, threes, transition threes, free throws. He's doing it all. I wonder if that will continue when Donovan comes back and inevitably 
he gets fewer touches and fewer shots. It may, he may sustain a competence. He doesn't, you know, not necessarily he's going to go the same way as Joe, but we haven't really seen this before, so I got nothing to go on here. You know, what am I going to do with all of it? It's just, it's, it's going to make me do things that I don't want to do. I mean, come on. I want guys playing with their utmost confidence. I'm not worried about stats. I'm worried about them having confidence so when the ball comes to them, whether it's five times or 25 times, that they know what to do with it and they believe they can get the job done and they maintain that level of confidence that you need to succeed. That, that, that's up for the coaches to figure out then. That's, I want everybody playing with a high level of confidence, and right now I got that because Conley is a 33-year-old dude who's been in the league seemingly forever. And so he's not going to have lack for any confidence. And Mitchell, part of his greatness is his bodaciousness and his desire to be the greatest. We're not losing in the first round forever. I'm sick of that. We're done with that. In order to make that statement, you have to be the leader and you have to have a ton of confidence. So he's going to come back and do what he does. And the other guys, all right, so they're not, they don't have as many opportunities, but they're still playing high-level basketball with a high level of confidence, and they win the game. And who cares what your stats are in the postseason if you win the game? That's all that matters. <sighs> win four each time, and you move on. That's, that's, if that's what I'm worried about, man, I'm in a great spot. Your license plate would work for the playoffs. Four for four. Three fours. That would, that would work. Four, four, four. Yeah. Go four for four in the playoffs. Plan the parade, and away we and go. And when you see that other one driving around town that says, I love PK, all right, I've seen it now about 20 times. People have sent it to me. The guy loves me. <laughs> Do you blame him? <laughs> <laughs> all right, we were called out. Yes. Oh, do, we, yeah. do we have time for this? We're up against another break. This uh, is a short we can segment. do it in the next break if you want. That's you guys. Okay, I just want to know. We're going to go to break. I want to know, though, who called us out. That's all I want to know. We don't have I'll to get into what hint. it was. I'll give you a hint. He's a weekly guest. Buy one, get one free. Oh, Donovan, don't do me like that. Well, I had two <laughs> options, and Tim Lacombe just went away. <laughs> a pretty good impression of the Donovan call. <laughs> uh, yes, we were called out, and he, it, I don't know that he was listening. It was something we said yesterday. And, and the reason why I want to bring it up in all uh, full awareness or whatever I'm uh, looking for, uh, transparency, I guess, is they were calling you out more than me. So that's <laughs> <bad>. <laughs> there's also a call to action in that call out. Too. A call to action. Yes. Pick and up the phone. Call basketball experts now. One eight hundred True Hoop. Oh, no, no, that's eight, isn't it? Dog got what, it. Uh, what's our phone number? Eight five five three four zero zone. Yeah, 340 zone. Yeah, all right. Well, I can't find out to find out what this is all about. Not the first time David Locke thought I was wrong. So, and I'm I don't think he was listening. And somebody, and I'm gonna, I'm not gonna give you the name because that's unfair. Uh, but somebody, I think somebody brought it to his attention. Like, what are those guys talking about? But I won't. I will not say the name. So that's not gonna. Happen. It was Clint, wasn't it? <laughs> that got Yacht going. <laughs> 
No, no. Oh, no, no, no. I'll tell you off the off the air if you want to know, but uh, I'm, tell you, I'm not going to do it on the air. All right. So. Well, I can't wait to find out what this is all about. Now I know it's David Locke. He's not on till tomorrow, though. All right. Well, we'll, we'll hash it out next, and then we'll hash it out again tomorrow, apparently. Uh, so that's next. Bowler at 8.30. Joe Ingles at 9 o'clock right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm about 90% sure that we're about to have an awesome phone call in this segment. Stay tuned for that. Mother's Day is Sunday. Get the best blanket ever. It's also the best gift ever for Mother's Day. It's Mika Couture. Sandy and her staff setting up the Zone listeners again, helping you get it right for Mother's Day. You get 50% off when you mention Zone 50 at a store near you or online at minkycouture.com. That's promo code Zone 50. That's Minky Couture for Mother's Day. All right, PK, so as David Locke called us out, yeah, what do you have to say? Y'all can play it. Live ball turnovers, which is opponent steals, and particularly live ball turnovers above the free throw line lead to automatic baskets are problematic. We've gotten better at that because with transition defense, it's gotten better. We used to be a bottom 10 team. We're now a top 10 team transition defense. I heard the morning show was talking about turnovers. Call them tomorrow and tell them they're wrong. Have a great night. <laughs> so he admits we're kind of right, and then he says we're wrong. That's awesome. I heard the morning show was talking about turnovers. Call them tomorrow and tell them they're wrong. Have a okay. great night. <laughs> what I said was, I'm not worried when they have 10 or 15 turnovers, but when they have 20, it gets to be a problem. It doesn't always beat them. It's not a guarantee, but it gets to be a problem. And when they have 20, they generally have the live ball turnovers, and they have them further up court, like he says, above the break. So he kind of dismisses that, which obviously said is above the, the free problem. throw line. Yeah, yeah, above that's... the free throw line. Okay. So he admits we're right and then tells us we're wrong. I don't obsess about all of them. But when they get to 20, they've usually had a bunch of those. All turnovers are not created equal. The dead ball turnover, when you get to set up your defense after you travel or you get called for an offensive foul, that's not the issue. But somebody driving to the free throw line, the defense closing down, them fumbling the ball and them going the other way, that can be a problem. It can be, but you don't want to stifle aggressiveness, though. You know, and the offense moving the ball, finding the open man. I mean, they do that so well. I, I have to admit, the style of ball that they've been playing this year has been very pleasing to me and fun to watch. You know, they showed that one. Uh, Joe gave the ball to Clarkson. Clarkson gave him back. Joe gave it right back, and then Clarkson drove and do a little behind the back pass in front of the Spurs bench, and Niang hits the three. And that one earlier in the season, I think it was in February, where uh, it ended up being a cross-court pass after they moved the ball around like there's a hot potato, as they say, and find the guy who's got the best shot. And that's great. And that's fun to watch. I mean, team Basketball, as all sports can be, if it gets monotonous, can be ugly. And if it's selfish and single guy pounding the ball, it's boring. But you move the ball, you find the guy who's got the best shot, and he makes the shot. It's fun to watch. So with that in mind, there's going to be some turnovers that just inevitably happen. Joe is going to have some because he tries stuff that probably another player without his skill or confidence wouldn't try. So they're going to have a few turnovers. All right, I can live with it. And I can live the 10 to 15, but when they have the 20 and when they have them because they just lose their focus and 
you know, give the ball away. Sometimes in the backcourt, I forget if it was in Washington or Toronto, they had end of the quarter. I mean, it was just awful. <laughs> it's just awful. Throwing 30-foot passes and getting picked off and giving up threes at the end of the quarter when there was no reason to. Ah! So you're calling out Locke for calling you We'll out. bring it up again tomorrow with him. All right, I want to get to this call. This call okay. is awesome. All right. Yeah, I mean, I think Locke admitted we were right before he told us we were wrong. I mean, that wasn't, that wasn't a full-throated, you're absolutely wrong. Well, when it's above the break and we've gotten better, but, but then they're wrong. All right. Okay. We'll get to it with David Locke tomorrow. All right, so we got Travis on the line here. Travis, Travis has done something because he, he roots for the Jazz and he follows the Jazz. Travis, good morning. This is where Travis says good morning. Oh, come on. This was going to be good, Yach. Is he there? Travis? Apparently, we've lost him, but apparently Travis bet a lot of money on the Jazz to win the championship. A lot of money. And he wanted to know what we thought. Well, what were the odds? I need to know the particulars. I know, and I don't, I don't know what odds he got them at. I mean, I could probably Google something and find out ballpark. Um, they aren't the same everywhere, but we ought to get the ballpark. I understand. And I need to know what are the odds for other teams. Just simply saying I bet X amount of dollars and, and it was a large amount. There's no way in the world that I would ever. ever oh, here we go. All right. Himself. Travis, you're teasing us. Thought you weren't going to no. be there. So, Travis, I, underst- Travis, I understand you put a lot of money on the Jazz to win the NBA title. Well, I'm kind of, I would just, I'm burning out of all the disrespect. We're the best record in the league. I, we're fifth or sixth in the odds to win it. I, I had it. I might not eat for a week, but uh, I hopefully this uh, pays off here in a little bit. You know, Bitcoin's an investment. But I think Jazz are a better investment right now. Okay. <laughs> so did you put some money on Bitcoin to offset the Jazz, just in case, you know, LeBron gets healthy, puts on the Superman cape, and destroys the NBA? Uh, absolutely not. Okay. But, I, you know, uh, the safe bet might be a little backup on the Suns, because I think whoever wins that West is going to take it. I think no one can hang with us on a seven-game series. Well, I mean, I hope you're right. Uh, what you said, fifth or sixth? To me, that seems a little low. So the odds I found have the range. the Nets, the Lakers, and the Clippers have the three uh, are the three favorites. And the ones I just found, the Jazz and the Bucks are tied for the fourth best odds. Right, so, I thought third or fourth. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't have that. We can't have that. Okay, so <laughs> how much how much money did you bet? What are your odds? Lay it all out for us. Well, I bet 1,000 packs of Skittles, and, uh, <laughs> as we say, and uh, I will win uh, 7,775 packs of Skittles if I win. Mm-hmm. We're plus 750 right now. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing right here as well. Yeah, that's, 
That's it's guaranteed money out there, folks. If you're listening, you know. But, uh, <laughs> it's guaranteed money. You know, that's a lot of things. Guaranteed money. I was going to say, Travis, that's a lot of things, but the one thing it isn't is guaranteed money. I don't that's know. It's gambling. I don't know if you've watched the way NBA stars have gotten hurt the last two months, but I don't think there's any guarantees out there. Let me check Harden's hamstring. Let me check LeBron's ankle, Donovan Mitchell's uh, angle. Ankle, uh, Durant's quadricep. Yeah, How am I doing? That into Jazz favor, though. Kawhi Leonard's everything. Well, if Donovan comes back and uh, and we can hold this, we had our little rough spot, which was good. It's like going in undefeated in the NCAA tournament. No one wants to do that. The Jazz yeah. haven't really had much slip, slip this year. It was good for having to get a little, get a little slap in the face. You know, getting lose a couple games that we. Probably took some slack for, you know, but sure. I think Get it out of the all way. in all, that's going to motivate him. It's going to motivate him even more. Good. All right. Travis, party at Travis's house. Oh, absolutely, guys. If it goes down, we'll, uh, we'll have a zone party. You know? <laughs> all right, man. Wait, I, so I, I got to know a couple more details here. A couple more details. Yeah, let's um, <clears throat> How do I phrase this gracefully? Is there anybody else you share finances with who might not be as excited about this proposition as you are? Or are you captain of your own ship, master of your own domain? How is that? Well, I, I, I'd like to think so. And, and thank gosh I don't have anybody to, to answer for on this one because I don't, I don't think if I'd had a significant other, they'd be too happy with me right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But, you know, that's, it's gambling, and, and uh, I've never not been a Jazz fan for, you know, ever around here, and I've never been confident that we're going to win a championship as I am this year. I think it's just these guys, the way they play together, you can't, you can't go wrong. You know? So uh, did this involve, um, you know, was this something you did just like – cold-blooded analysis? Was this a moment of uh, just heartfelt enthusiasm, or were there large amounts of alcohol involved well after midnight in Las Vegas? You know, did you on phone to an online place that may or may not pay off, or you went to an old-time casino with bright lights and uh, people in funny suits? Well, you know, I've made many mistakes mistakes uh, during the old midnight drinking stages of my life, but this wasn't one of them. I thought about it for a while. I've been wanting to do it, and I just said, screw it the other night, got in the car, drove to Wendover, made the bet, called it a day, and uh, just uh, here we go, you know. Uh, I got to give a shout-out to the Men's Tribal House, Sober Living. I, 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 I live, work there, love the place, so... Um, you know, if we get a little shot of those guys, I just did it, so I guess it's okay. Wendover, Wendover, send Travis over. Absolutely. All right, so what was the reaction? You got a trained professional on the other side of the window? Are they like, oh, my gosh, or are they just like cold-blooded stare, didn't didn't barely even blink? Uh, yeah, they didn't. Uh, I don't, yeah, I was pretty shocked. Uh, he was like, okay, and uh, I'm like, you Tell me good luck. You know what? I don't need. You <laughs> obviously like your like, so, so. All right. I uh, appreciate you guys. You guys rock. I listen to you guys every day. You know, you guys keep up the good work. All right, Travis. Hey, thanks for the call. And uh, PK and I'll tell you good luck because you know you're in a way your luck is our luck. So 
There you That's go. Right. Hey, can you imagine though Utah winning the championship? This place would go crazy. Exactly. Can you imagine doing? Right. Can you imagine doing sports radio shows for two months during an NBA title run? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh yeah, you guys right. might hear more from me. Thanks, Travis. Yeah, stay in touch. We Thank want to uh, ride the roller coaster with you here. All right, there's Travis plunking down a thousand to win over seven grand. Got the courage of his convictions, PK, and he doesn't have a significant other to ask him what the heck he was doing. Yeah, you were intrigued by all that, huh, man? Yeah, let's get the backstory, man. It's like you yeah. say, it's not just about the games, it's about the story. I know, but you have the story's typical, though. That's what gamblers do. I've been around gamblers my whole life. So it's not, his story's not that unusual, it's what they do. Uh, he uh, has. If he feels the prompt, there's no such thing as a sure bet in gambling. Nope. That's the very nature of gambling, and we need to be make it abundantly clear that we do not bet on NBA games whatsoever. Uh, we're not allowed to, nor at least in league my case, rules prohibit that. Right. Nor, nor would I ever. Do nor, so nor would I anyway. That's why I find it so. I haven't been around a lot of gamblers. Right. I, didn't, I, I didn't grow up with gamblers. I, I grew up like 45 minutes from the Del Mar racetrack, and I have never seen a horse race at the Del Mar racetrack live and in person. Now, in your life, that would have been impossible. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Somebody would have taken you. But nobody in my family was into that. Nobody, you know, I'd read about it in the paper when I was a little kid, like, ha! Huh. And I was at the fair. I mean, I saw the racetrack and all that, but never, you know, the, the when they run the horses and when they have the county fair are two different times. There's a difference between your mother and my mother. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, no, and it's not just NBA. I mean, I don't, I don't bet on the NFL or on college football or baseball. I, baseball, huge, I find freakishly huge, confusing. I don't even know how you would do that. Huge that. activity where I came from. Yeah. Still is, always has been. Always, I mean, I grew up going to off-track betting in New York City uh, many, many times. OTB and Turf Paradise in Phoenix. Uh, we lived, no surprise, we lived in the boundaries uh, my high school was in the boundaries. Turf Paradise was in the boundaries of my high school, <laughs> which is why we went there, <laughs> because it was close by. And uh, I spent many, many hours there. So there's no such thing as a sure bet. I've seen it. I've seen it a thousand times over. But if that's what you – and if you've got the money, you know, I'd be careful. I don't want to give gamblers any advice. But uh, if, if it's a form of entertainment, uh, so be it. And for a lot of people it is. But at the same time, if for somebody else, it's a huge problem. If you're using that money in place of food, I mean, it's fun to joke about. But if for many, that's a serious issue. So I wouldn't joke about it because I've seen it firsthand. But the the, the overriding thing, rather than the gambling aspect of it, so be it on that. And you know, certain places it's legal. So let's just in Wendover, ninety minutes away, whatever it might be. Uh, the bigger issue is that the Jazz, uh, do they have a, a good chance to win the finals? I believe they are certainly in the mix. I mean, that's what we're dealing with. We're not exchanging any forms of money or currency whatsoever, but it's more about what is your level of confidence to them being able to win the title. That's what it's about. That's what we talk about just about daily. And that's what I was saying earlier this morning after watching this game and waking up this morning thinking that uh, – I have the most confidence in this team right now than I've had all season. And it's because, not exclusively, but because these two guys are out and I'm counting on them to come back. And they may miss somewhat of a beat, but I don't think it's going to be a huge uh, reintegration process to get them uh, back 
because these are stellar players here. And they're stellar players in the, in this league. You're a stellar player. Well, one of the things that defines you, probably the best thing that defines you, is consistency. And in order to be a stellar player, you have to have that consistency, right? That's a, the, the the Clippers are going to go into the postseason, and what's going to be, Paul? Are you going to come through because you've had a whale of a regular season, but you've had your struggles in the postseason? So what's it going to be? Uh, because he hasn't had that consistency in the postseason. He's had anything but. And the great ones, they even if they're having bad games, say statistically, individually, they still have the ability to make the most important play when it needs to be made. And there's different ways to define greatness in this league, but I think consistency is one of them. And then also, too, the ability to make the great play when it matters the most, whether it's uh, Larry Bird making a steal off of some, I don't know, who threw the pass, was it Isaiah? Uh, with Johnny Most, with that gravelly voice, with the with the with the steal that Bird had, I don't know what his stats were in that game, uh, but you know he makes a great play, a great pass, uh, whatever it might be. Jordan makes a great pass, tells Steve Kerr, we heard about, it. we saw it in the huddle. Uh, I'm gonna uh, Stogs gonna double team me, and I'm gonna throw you the ball, and you're gonna make the shot. All right, he didn't even shoot the ball at all, but he called the play. That's greatness. So greatness can be exhibited in various forms. And I suspect these two, I'm counting on these two to come back. And maybe they miss a step, a half a step, but I don't think it's going to be like they need three weeks to get back. Maybe maybe I'm off on that, but that's what I see. And I see these other dudes have gained. There's no doubt in my mind that right now I can point to Niang, Ingles, Bogdanovich playing with the most confidence that they've ever had. Now, I could throw a guy like Trent Forrest in, but I don't think that he's going to get much time in the postseason. So if if called upon, he should have a level of confidence. And Clarkson seems to be one of these outlier guys who's just wired differently. Oh, my gosh. So we played part of it. It was longer, so we play the whole thing. But he got asked about getting out of shooting slumps. Yeah. And his answer at the start, and I'm I'm paraphrasing here, but he's basically – you know, I'm a baller and I'm out hooping and I don't really worry about that stuff. <laughs> it's like, it's a long season. It happens. I keep yeah. shooting my shots. Coach tells me to shoot my shots. It'll start going in again. That was his attitude. I'm paraphrasing. And, and you're a big body language guy. I I laughed when I saw him. It was like, I don't know the Jazz have ever had a guy. Uh, Hornacek probably thought it, but he wouldn't. Well, he, he wasn't allowed to do it. He, you're right, exactly. But Hornacek probably thought it. But there oh, have yeah, not been that many guys. Maybe Corver thought it, too. He's another great shooter. Um, but his level of, this is what I do, there will be 60% nights and 70% nights, there will be 20 and 30% nights, I know who I am, I know what I'm supposed to do, coach has told me what to do, and I'm going to do it. <laughs> it was awesome. It he farted was, at the end? It was... Uh, he farted? No, that's not a fart noise. That was oh. a mouth noise. <laughs> a well. fart in your general direction. Give it a little Monty Python. Since now we know that Monty Python, the big dog, John Cleese, is a jazz fan. Yeah, that was a John Cleese com- combo with Jordan Clarkson. You got the full bite from Clarkson? All right, let's hear it in his own words because he'll say it better. And, and you'll miss the visual. His body language, really confident. Like, I don't sweat this stuff. Here he is. I ain't even, I mean, I don't really pay attention to that stuff. Uh, 
I think we talked about it early this morning. I forgot who it was, but they kind of asked me something like that. Uh, like I said, I'm a hooper. I'm going to shoot my shots. You know, they're going to go in. Sometimes they're going to – you're going to miss. It's part of the game. You know, uh, slumps is part of what happens, you know, throughout a long season. Um, you know, just it is what it is. You know, I keep my head down, keep grinding, keep taking the shots that are there, uh, keep trying to make the plays. And um, when they fall, you know, it feels good. But, you know, I'm always confident. I'm always going to take those shots and, uh, you know, keep it rolling. And you said after a game recently, hey, Jordan, pass the ball. And then you look down and you're like, well, he did pass the ball. Look at all those assists. So I checked it after this game. The last seven games, he's averaging like 4.1, 4.2 assists a game. He had four yeah. assists in the game last night. Uh-huh. So even when he's got it going and almost every shot is going in, he was 12 for 16, he still had four assists. And he talked in other answers about uh, – he had another great response. He was talking about how teams are now tipping their hand, and it goes to the mental side of the game. You know, there's different ways to defend him. What are they going to do? He talked about how teams are now blitzing him and double-teaming him, trying to get the ball out of his hands. Well, somebody's open. It's a chance to get an assist. Or, and he even, re- he even mentioned, I trust my teammate to swing it to the next guy for the shot. So you make good passes, and you don't get the assist. It's more of a hockey assist. that You force the double-team, and you get the pass that leads to the pass in the bucket. But that's yeah. how their offense runs when it's good, and the ball's really moving and all that. So I, I thought... His confidence level. The thing is, and it was a reason you didn't list him when you're listing the other guys, is he's not playing at a new level of confidence. Right. He's returned to a level of confidence that we saw him, you know, and, and it, maybe it's not his confidence as much as it is our confidence in him. He had a cold stretch. I don't know how much it rattled his confidence. He's frustrated by it. He'd rather see the ball go in the hoop. Uh, but he also knows if he keeps shooting, he's good enough. It's going to go in the hoop again. Right, exactly, and that, I think that uh, you know that uh, thing that we saw over the summer with the Jordan, you know, talking about the organizations win winning titles and all that stuff. And I believe that they do, but I also think it's the players. So I think it's a combination of everything. And I think you really have to give credit to Jazz management that has given Clarkson this lease, leash, I should say. That I don't know how many guys have gotten this leash. Really, you just basically shoot whenever you think it's appropriate, and you're not going to get pulled. Majerus would have had 47 heart attacks in the first two minutes of Jordan Clarkson being out on the floor. You know what I mean? The way yep. he coached and the, the way they allow him to do what he does. I don't know that there's no there's no way I could do it if I was the coach. So you have to credit the organization and then obviously the player and his teammates because it doesn't seem like there's anything uh, where there's some form of jealousy or doubt. And what are you doing? And that's who he is. And last night was Jordan Clarkson at his best for sure. All right, coming up, Craig Bolajak joins us next. The Joe Ingles Show at 9 o'clock right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on The Zone Sports Network. Is Aaron Rodgers a draw for you? Uh, I like to watch Aaron Rodgers play the game. Oh, yes, I do. He's not intriguing to me at all. You know, the Hail Mary passes, he's an entertaining quarterback to watch. I will watch the Packers when they play. And yes, I am softening up to him because I'd like to see him in a Broncos game. This is what it's about. You're softening up Aaron Rodgers because if he does end up Denver, you don't want it to be like that buddy that tears apart this guy's ex-girlfriend or, you know, he's separated from his wife. Oh, she's... 
horrible anyways. And then they get back together. It's like, oh, this is awkward. I want that marriage to be broken up, and I want her to be in my house. Man, it's not a great way to say that. No, I, it's not. That didn't sound right. Oh, this is uncomfortable. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Mark Miller. DJ and PK in the morning is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. It's time to bring in the TV voice of the Utah Jazz, Craig Bowlerjack. Bowler, good morning. David James, Patrick Kinahan, how are you? Good. Well, I'm good. PK's great. And the reason is... Cut that up, Yuck. Our mood is determined 100% by how the Jazz are playing. There's nothing else in our life. We are freakishly shallow people with very few links to other human beings. Cut that up, Yuck. And PK announced, and he is is on board with this 100%. He has said this multiple times, that he has never had more confidence in the Jazz and their ability to to play basketball at a very high level than he is right now. This season. This season, yeah. He's, we're, yeah, he's, not, he's not going back yeah. to the statues. Yeah. No, we're talking yeah. this year. Right now. Peak moment for the 2020-2021 campaign. Now, Bowler, are you also at the top of the wave in terms of confidence? Or like me, are you still looking at two guys injured on the bench? Like, when do you come back and how long does it take to get the rust off and be ready to go? Hmm, good conversation. I had the same combo with Locke last night about the the level of play right now, which is really impressive, which I would would agree with PK because the ability to adjust and continue to run their offense and play the defense that they are without Conley and Donovan is impressive. My next concern would be, and I'm not trying to be a negative guy here, but now – blending those two back in when they come back and how does that work look if they can adjust without them i'm guessing they can adjust with them back they're all stars right and they can make the adjustment adjustments as well if you look at it on 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 a real positive side which i know pk is mr positive yeah no question that's the way he lives his life as a positive always Always sunny and sandy yes Always. (laughs) Always. <laughs> Danny so DeVito, happens, Pat Kinahan, it's yeah. a heck of a show. It's a heck of a show. And what happens is that what you have found out is that you have multiple young players that have shown their ability to adjust as well. And it's a deep team. Uh, and the other part of that is that they understand they're coming back. And so they're getting their minutes. They're playing for contracts. They're also playing for a purpose. But also, I think they understand, too, when these when Donovan and, and Mike come back, things are going to change up again. Right now, I'm intrigued with the way they play. Look, uh, Joe has done a great job. In fact, uh, is this a warm-up show before Joe comes on today? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Tell Joe, uh, you know, his stage show is really building, and uh, <laughs> it's, it's, I'm impressed. I mean, you know, he's kept his cool. He's running the show. Uh, you know, Bogdanovich, I think, has been the total – game changer for the jazz at the moment where his game instead of standing outside he's uh and trying to hit threes he's he's been the most aggressive this must been the most aggressive uh part of the season for him and the most i think he's playing his best basketball honestly i mean making decisions um less turnovers 
free throw attempts as he as as he's been driving to the rim. So you know it's an amazing thing to watch again the team. It's a team, and that they're able to make these adjustments, and uh, they're still a game up now, despite all the woes. Um, with the injuries of Donovan and Conley to make it to this point with amazingly six games left, man, that's it. Six, three home, three road. Yeah, I think Bogdanovich is the number one uh, reason why I have this most confidence this season, because as I look at this team and into him individually, when the team was going well, he couldn't buy a basket to the point where he even, he was willingly talking about it, that this is the worst struggle he's ever had and i was saying earlier to dj that okay i didn't follow you that much when you were over in the eastern conference because i you know we obsess about the jazz in the western conference but i did follow you every game last year and you weren't as bad and you acknowledged it right now since he's been here this just about the completion of the two seasons this last stretch it's the complete opposite you, you, by your own acknowledgement, you never si- you said you hadn't struggled like this. Now, I'm not sure he's ever played, as certainly in a Jazz uniform, in my thought, he yeah. hasn't played this well. So I get that when the other two stars come back, some of the role guys, Joe Ingles is not going to have the ball as much, and Yang's probably not going to get as many shots. I understand all that. But Bogdanovich... Even last year, with those two guys, was still putting up twenty a game, and and Mike needed a whole season to assimilate, and I believe he's assimilated now. But the point I'm making is, they go into the postseason, and I'm assuming they're going to get the two guys back. Maybe I'm wrong to do it, but I'm assuming they're going to get the two guys back, and Bogdanovich is going to go into this postseason with the highest level of confidence he's probably ever had as an NBA player, knowing he can do so much. So he's going to add to it. Not that It's not going to be subtracted. He may not get as many shots, but the shots he gets and the plays that he makes, he's going to have a whole lot of confidence going forward. And I think that, to me, has been partially because the other guys have been out and he has had these opportunities. Plus, somewhere along the line, whether it's coaching or an individual decision, they told him, hey, if you've got an opportunity, how about you start driving to the basket? Yeah. And yeah, so no, it's looking point. like he is at the top of his game right now. Yeah. No, I agree. I don't think he's played better basketball at this moment for the Jazz in the last uh, six to eight games. And what he's done is decided he starts early, which has been a huge benefit for the Jazz, uh, and what he's doing is not parking himself outside. He is. He's got a lot of mismatches. He's got a big body. He's driving to the rim. He's taking advantage of scoring. He's more confident than ever. I, you know, and again, it goes back to PK to your point about the depth of this team, but also the confidence that Bogey will bring in postseason play. How many times have we heard Bogey wasn't in the bubble? Bogey wasn't in the bubble because of the wrist injury and the surgery that he had. I think it's taken. And you talk about assimilating. Uh, it took Bogey to reassimilate himself to the Jazz and maybe his own mind, his own confidence right after the surgery. We saw him flex the hand constantly. He wrapped it. He tried all multiple things, maybe for the first time. It takes time to recover from surgeries, uh, but it's it's his shooting hand, so maybe he's finally forgotten about it, right? Maybe he's now more confident with the drive. Maybe he doesn't feel the sting as he once did. And I think that's what we're, we're watching, a guy who's finally returned to 
his level, and he went through all the highs and lows, mostly lows, by the way, as you said. When you when you get in front of a microphone and you actually, as a professional athlete, talk about I'm not I'm not at the level I should be. I'm playing the worst basketball of my career, and then to able to turn it around with coaching or his teammates encouraging him, and then he sees that opening when Mike and Donovan are out to be the guy to help to help this team push through a really difficult time. If he doesn't roll into the postseason with a load of confidence, I'm stunned because right now he is playing at the highest of levels, and the Jazz are, are benefiting by, by the play of Boyan Bogdanovich. So do you expect uh, Conley and Mitchell back in the regular season, or do you think these last six games, the Jazz just go as they've gone? It's going pretty well. They play three teams that are not even in the playoff hunt for the 10th spot. So they're playing three pretty lousy teams that are basically done. So do they just roll with these guys and the other guys come back for the playoffs now, which buys them another almost full week to get healthy? Well, the only concern I have is, again, as we just talked about, is playing those guys back in a little bit. I still think it takes a couple of games. Um, You know, look, Mike's been around, and so has Donovan. I mean, we think of him older than he actually is because of the way he plays. But I'd be more comfortable to see him get a couple of games, maybe uh, the last two road games to – to as PK say, you know, reassimilate into the into the into the rotation and let the other players also understand the role a little bit more of what they're going to do. And maybe Quinn does. Most coaches always say they tighten up a rotation in postseason play. I'm not sure if that's going to be the case for Quinn and this team because so many moving parts uh, have been successful this year. But I still think it's important to get them back on the floor. But, of course, they have to be ready, right? I mean, the Jazz aren't going to push them. That hamstring has been an issue since Conley came to the Jazz. And Donovan's really working through his first major injury uh, as a professional. So, um, you know, you hear all sorts of reports uh, of maybe this, maybe that. But, again, I'm no doctor. I mean, those guys know their bodies better than anybody. But if you could, if you could draw it up, I would like to see him play three of the last six uh, together, and then formulate that plan of rotation before they just you know whoever they're if they finish one they finish two, and then they have to wait for the playing games to to know who their uh, you know first round opponent is, and um, you know I, it, it'd be good to see them back. If they can't, the Jazz have obviously proven right now that they can continue to win. The big another good great test is. There's a couple of tests coming up. Uh, Denver tomorrow night, and then you also see the Blazers. Uh, so those are a couple of games you can kind of, uh, again, judge how far the Jazz have come without Mike and uh, and Donovan. But I think the Denver Nuggets, again, have been a, a thorn in the Jazz side. I thought Jamal Murray's injury would put them down, but in fact it's, it's motivated them, much like the Jazz losing – two all-stars they lose Jamal Murray and Jokic and a guy named Austin Rivers who they signed has played extremely well for them off the bench he knocked down 25 last night so uh those are going to be you know good tests again prior to prior to the postseason so a lot of times uh you get to the arena early obviously in the home games you're there and you see guys that aren't currently uh, on the roster in terms of health, but they're still working out a little bit. Have you seen either of the two do any any of that stuff before the game? 
No, they're basically PK still doing, you know, behind the scenes work. Honestly, I've seen Donovan take one very mild jump shot in his street clothes. That's it. <laughs> so, you know, it's still behind the scenes. They, they're if they're working out, it's basically uh, at the uh, you know basketball Zion's Bank basketball campus. Uh, but I still think it's still in that process of, you know, the rehab process, whether it's at the arena or at the practice facility. Uh, but no, we haven't seen him jump on the floor and do any sprints up and down the floor. At least I haven't. And, you know, I get there before the players even jump on the floor and, you know, they go through their, their typical warmups, uh, with their, uh, their coaches. So, um, maybe still time is something that, that, that Donovan needs along with Mike and, uh, you know, Mitchell's an- injury, ankle injury. If you look back at the replay, that still was pretty wicked. And, uh, luckily, you know, it came out clean on the MRI, but it takes time, man. It takes time, especially the way he plays uh, as well. Explosive play. And I think the Jazz will be more cautious uh, than, than to try to see him get back on the floor. Uh, I'm guessing it'll be later than sooner. But, you know, he's 24. Maybe he heals faster. But they want to make sure he's right before they hit the, the road to the playoffs. Craig Bolajak, TV voice of the Utah Jazz, joining us. Uh, I'm curious when you talk to, and I, I know you can't talk to nearly as many people, there are places in arena you can't go, the COVID protocols and all that, but if you're talking to broadcasters with other teams, and uh, I know you're on Zoom calls that you don't participate in because I know you're following stuff, doing your homework, I, I see you once in a while lurking in the background, Bowler. I know what you're doing. <laughs> and so I'm curious what the feeling around the league is. Everybody's looking at the Lakers. Everybody is picking the Lakers, not everybody, but the vast majority of people are picking the Lakers if they're healthy to defend their title. And it's gotten to the point now that they aren't healthy. The fact that LeBron came back and then had to go away again is a huge red flag, and people still don't want to count him out because he's been so good for so long, and they just won the title. So I'm wondering if there's any feeling, talk around the league. Do they know anything? Are they thinking the same thing PK and I are thinking about his health? What do you know? Well, I'm I'm with you guys. I'm basically heard the same things, that there is concern in L.A. because he did come back, and then he had to basically pull himself back out uh, of this lineup. And, you know, they're, they're... and you can tell he's not happy, uh, you know, whenever he voices opinion, right, about the play-in format. Yeah, okay, cool, whatever. Now, since they are on the brink of falling into that category, then, of course, he doesn't like it because it means that that doesn't, you know, guarantee him a, a postseason appearance. But, you know, as LeBron, I think there's a, the respect that he has is, is earned. And that's the one thing that I've always felt. Look, you may love him, you may not. Uh, the bottom line is respect him because of the way that he plays. And if he is healthy and AD is healthy, yeah, they're going to be an incredible opponent to take on. You know, what would be incredible if you see the Clippers-Lakers uh, in the 4-5 spot? Uh, wow. Would that open the door for m- many teams in the West, knowing that one of those teams wouldn't make it out of the first round? I'm sure that's on LeBron's mind, too. But you know, looking at the standings right now, if we started today, it'd be Jazz Memphis. If it just held steady, it would be Phoenix and the Blazers. It would be Denver and the Lakers. Now, that would be something because that's two good teams and one's not going to make it. And the other one is the Clippers and the Dallas Mavericks. And with the way Lucas played, there's a lot of thought about, are they the sleeper? 
you know, in the West. So um, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, the season ends on the 16th, and the play-in games start, what, two days later, and then the playoffs start on the 22nd. So, I mean, it's just around the corner. Some answers are coming, but to your point, I can't count out the Lakers unless LeBron's on the bench. Uh, then L.A.'s chances are basically null and void. But if he's on the floor and healthy, then, of course, watch out. Because I, I know what he's done in the past. We all we all have seen it. And you have to respect that. Moeller, as always, we enjoy having you on. Whether you're closing for Joe or opening for Joe, it doesn't really matter to us. Well, you know, I'm just looking for tips. You know, I hope he shares the tip jar after his show. Uh, is over, you know, I warm him up, so I've got to, you know, hopefully get a little... A little something for the effort. Yeah, yeah, but tell him, you know, look, man, just keep, you know, keep being Joe. Bowler, we appreciate it. Good to talk to you, and we'll talk to you again next week. All right, guys, take care. Have a good weekend. Joe Ingles is coming up in 15 minutes. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Different athletes have wanted parts of the franchise before. Didn't you get 15 points in your uh, semi-pro hockey team? Didn't you, didn't you get 15% of that club? <laughs> no, I didn't. But I was, uh, I don't want to get into what it. What was the name of the goalie you had on that team there, Gordon? Well, for a couple of years it was Bill Puxley, but, you know, I, mean, uh, I, I sort of, we've parted ways. I haven't really kept up with him. Bill Puxley. Man, he could really stop that puck. <laughs> Not to be confused no, with the no, right no. winger, John Ice Nettington. <laughs> Catch the big show weekday from 2 to 7, presented by Big O Tires, the team you trust on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, brought to you in part by Zero Res. When you get your carpets and tile cleaned, make sure they're Zero Res clean. Just $33 per room clean. You deserve the best. You deserve Zero Res. Schedule with Zero Res today. Call them at 801-288-9376 or schedule online by searching for Zero Res Carpet Cleaning. All right, PK, Joe Ingles coming up in a few minutes. Anything you want to get off your chest? Anything you want to get off your mind here before we plunge into the Joe Ingles show? Did I want to get off my mind and get off my chest? Yes. <laughs> Hit up the people. Or we can just let the people speak. I think that you really need to enjoy the moment. You got the best record in the league regarding the Jazz, obviously, is what we're talking about. It's a dominating conversation every day, all day on the zone. And I don't know how it's going to turn out. But I really believe this is a fun team to watch. Yeah, they're probably not going to win the title. I can't guarantee that by any stretch. But I think that it needs to be appreciated rather than just judging the season by the absolute final result, whatever it may be. Now, if it's winning at all, you go nuts. I get all that. But if it doesn't, then you look at it. Has this not been a fun ride? I suspect it's going to continue in the playoffs. To what degree, I'm not sure. Like I can't make any form of any close to any guarantee this or that i mean you look at the first round you know they get memphis memphis has got a couple of nice players that's a great thing about this league it's just about every team has a couple of nice players so nothing is guaranteed but i would say take a step back and right now anyway enjoy it for what it is and i realize it's really much much easier for me to say it because i don't get so worked up in the actual result never really have it's about the fun along the way and is it fun is it fun to watch these guys play 
I think you really have to answer answer that question by saying yes. It is a lot of fun. It can be frustrating, and tension will be in the air for sure when we get to the postseason. I understand that, and I get that because I don't have that close attachment that the hardcore fan. I'm a fan, and I'm a hardcore, but not in the winning and losing. I think that that's part of the deal is make sure you're taking time to have fun with it along the way. That's a little bit of my counsel, and I realize I can't counsel anybody because it's not who I am. I think the, well, I think you can counsel someone, and I think you've done it wisely here. I think if you talk to people who root for championship teams, the most fun championship is the first one. The one that to some degree sneaks up on you. Maybe you see the possibilities, and jazz fans see the possibilities, but you don't know for sure. You aren't the overwhelming favorite with all the pressure. I have watched fans of teams that win a lot and, like, They don't really enjoy the ride. It's only fun if you win it all. It's only fun when it's over. And sometimes you even hear fans talk about, well, that was a relief they got it done. Yeah, it's more relief. What? Relief is the emotion. And I get relief for someone whose job is on the line, who someone is getting paid to win a championship. Those aren't the people I'm talking about. No. I'm just talking about the fans. Like, relieved, you got to enjoy the ride a little bit. And the best win, I think, the Chiefs, I don't know how many more they're going to win, right? They came very close to going back-to-back. They didn't pull it off. They were really unfortunate with injuries. Having your your tackle snap as Achilles in the AFC title game was a bad break. Ouch. And and so what are you going to do, right? (laughs) And so they... You got to have the fun along the way. They they win once every fifty years. You got to enjoy the ride when it happens. The Jazz maybe they'll go on a San Antonio like run and they'll have a generational player and they'll win five times in fifteen years or whatever it is the Spurs did. That would be awesome, you know. But more likely, the way it's going to happen is going to be what happened to the Mavericks, where they had really good players. They had years they thought they were going to do it, and they busted early, right? They went out as a one seed once, and they went out first or second round multiple times. And then one year they did it. And even in the middle of the finals down 0-2, you didn't think they were going to, but they did. And it's their one shot. They cleared cap room. They thought they had a smart plan. It didn't come close to working. And now they're starting over with another guy. If you're a Mavericks fan and you didn't enjoy the maximum out of that year, what are you doing? (laughs) <laughs> like the Jazz are way more likely to be that team or the the O four Pistons than they are to put together a Spurs like dynasty. And if they do, we'll all soak it up and it'll be awesome. But there just aren't many of those running around, and they aren't, and they don't usually happen in the San Antonio, Salt Lakes, Denver's, and Portlands of the world. You know, they don't. They did one time, and maybe it could happen again, and maybe it could happen here. But I think the other thing's more likely. So. Soak up the whole ride, even if there's a good chance it ends in disappointment. Soak it up as long as it lasts. DJ and PK, we're talking with Joe Ingles next. Stay with us. Hey, yeah. This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best-looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle bells. Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe to the cop, slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show (laughs) with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. 
DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. The Joe Ingles Show with DJ and PK is brought to you by Cypress Credit Union. For a limited time only, get a free Utah Jazz signed Joe Ingles jersey when you open a new dream checking account with direct deposit at Cypress Credit Union. Cypress Credit Union, your future is our future. Time to welcome in Joe Ingles. Joe, good morning. Good morning. You sound happier and more upbeat. Is that because you haven't got a technical foul and you haven't had to get lectured when you go home recently? You've been keeping it. You've been living <laughs> on the right side of the line, Joe. Um, nah, the technicals don't phase me either way. <laughs> that's, that's not that's not going to ruin my day. Um, no, I'm just. I, you know, the the best thing about it is I think I'm just enjoying the weather. I'm so glad the sun's uh, finally out properly, like out and it's. Shining and it's hot. I'm with you. I think a lot we of people are. We all are. Yeah, right. It's been bizarre. So I'm glad that I woke up this morning and my lawn was being mowed, and I could stand outside and have a coffee, and it was a good start to the day. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm wondering how amusing you found that ESPN story that you're leading the league in something or other, because in our time with you, it's quite apparent that of all the NBA players I've ever been around, you probably care least about personal statistics. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's funny because I, I mean, I genuinely really don't care. Um, and Ken, I said it in the, the article with Tim, but I, everyone was telling me about this stat, and I'm like, I have no idea what this thing is, like, so I, I, I did check it out. I tried to, like, Google it to see it. I still had no idea what it really meant. And then I still honestly don't really care. Um, the only thing that made me laugh one time, I think it was last week, is it came up about when I was shooting from three, close to 50 or 49 or whatever it was. And um, I think it was a coach basically made a joke saying, well, it just shows that you're not shooting enough if you're shooting that good a percentage, like you need to shoot more. So I was like, all right, well, I'll try and shoot some more. So, um, that's, it is what it is. It's, it's whatever, cool or whatever. People can write an article about it, get their clicks, but uh, I couldn't care less. So I get the not caring about the individual stat, but the fact is one of the reasons the team has such a good record is because they have so many people who are so efficient when they shoot the ball. I mean, you can do a bunch of things great in a game, but if you can't shoot the ball, that's what they give you the points for. That's how they decide who wins. And it doesn't matter if it's free throws, if it's stuff in the lane, if it's three-pointers, you are very efficient. So whichever coach told you, whether it's Quinn or one of the assistants who said you need to shoot more because you're that efficient, they are 100% on target. But I also feel like watching you play, that message has been has been sinking in. You've probably heard a lot and you're absorbing it. Am I right? For sure. Um, and not a lot in a bad way, as in overdoing it or anything, but um, just being, I guess, aware of, fact that I can be a bit more aggressive obviously with, with Mike and Donovan out too there's 50 extra shots to take between those two um, just aggressive being more assertive um, the Spurs for example pick and roll going to my left 
um, to try and stop my, my drive going left and that's why I mean I, I think I missed the first three or four or something but coach was like that's to show you yeah, like um, so that first time out it was like all right Rudy set it set it a little bit lower and I'm going to shoot it every time and I'm, obviously I feel like eventually even if I miss a, a couple of them I'm going to make some um, so I just had to kind of had to stick with it I guess and um, that, that's probably a little bit of the difference of in the past um, probably not kind of more recently but like earlier on in my career if I missed those first couple I was a lot more hesitant to, to keep firing them up um, where like regardless of percentages or field goals or like whatever these stats mean um, I've just got to keep shooting the shots that are, are there for me to take and um, obviously I feel like um, the, the last couple of years how, how good my shots felt uh, I feel like at some point I'm, I'm going to make shots so um, yeah just trying to be aggressive and, and aware of the situations that I can be aggressive and can get a shot because um, I think we saw that there was a few possessions even last night that we get we don't take some shots that are that are good shots because we're trying to get a better shot, but then we end up getting stuck in late clock. And I said it to Trent a couple of times. Like Trent was almost getting it was like it was he, him getting stuck with the ball with five seconds a bunch of times. So we've uh, we, we've got to take the shots as a team when they're there. Um, and as unselfish as we are, we've got to take um, even though we think we can get a better shot. Sometimes we're still going to be able to take um, those good shots. So I think a lot of Jazz fans, because they've never won a title, they, they're scarred and they think that if there's something that can go wrong, it will go wrong, and they worry about stuff. And now it seems like the latest worry is, oh, my gosh, things are going well and guys are playing well. But what's going to happen when Conley and Mitchell get back? I mean, what's going to be able to be done to make sure everybody's playing at a high level? How much concern do you have about those guys being able to come back and jump right back into it? Uh, zero. That answers your question. <laughs> yes, it does, and that's what I thought your answer would be. Uh, but I, mean, I don't get—I don't get why people get worry. Exactly. Let's not get it twisted. We won. I don't know how many games in the year before they like say before Donovan did his ankle. What was our record? Our record was like I don't know forty something and eight or ten or eleven or something. Like we won all those games with our full team. Like, I missed a couple. Mike might have missed a couple early on. I think Donovan missed one. Um, I think I, like, out of anyone, I think I probably missed the most in that first, like, half of the year with the four games I sat out with my Achilles. Um, so let's not get it to it. Like, there's no magic potion that they're out and we're playing well. Like, we were playing probably better with those guys in our team. Um, like, yeah, we've had to figure out different ways at the moment like Trent's come in and played well um, different guys JB Jarrell's come in and played well swap his kind of swap minutes like these guys have come in and played well and I think I think that's a good thing for our group because if something does happen knock on wood later on in the, the year or in the playoffs we've got guys that are confident to be able to come in and, and, and play meaningful minutes uh, I think Trent's probably the most obvious one to the eye because he's, he's been out there with our main group for, for big stretches um, but like JC's had to, to take more responsibility I'm playing basically full time point guard except for when Trent's in the game 
now, which is it's different for me. Um, like George starting it, he, he's played really well. Boyan's um, definitely kind of up his, his level and probably just more his efficiency taking taking the shots we wanted him to take early on in the year um, and obviously also making him. Um, but when those guys come back, it doesn't change. I mean, it's, we've got two more pretty pretty special players that are going to come in and be aggressive and play their games and, and we'll all figure it out. I'll go back to the bench and George will go back to the bench and we'll, we'll uh, kind of go back to how we were playing early on um, for that first kind of half, three quarters of the year. You know, I thought there were a couple of really interesting things in that story that ESPN.com did on you and the your your true shooting percentage and all that. There were a couple nuggets in there. And one was you talked about a specific play that bugged you. A coach must have queued it up where uh, Trevor Ariza was in the paint getting ready to take a charge and they throw the ball to you and your three-point shot at that point is so long and so slow that he's able to get all the way out and contest it. And you, your quote sounded like you were horrified. I mean, I, I read it. I didn't hear it. But having interviewed you enough here on, on your radio show, it just sounded like you were horrified and there was a big motivator for you to change your game. How de- Can you tell people how deep a dive and how detailed these individual film sessions are and how much some of this stuff sticks with you? Yeah, it's, it's almost like uh, one of those things that you like go to bed thinking about. Cause it was my, I think it was my first year. It was, it was early on in my career, probably my first year or two. Um, and at that point, Trevor was probably in his prime, kind of late 20s, early 30s. Um, and I, I just remember, like, like whoever driving the ball and throwing it to me, and kind of in my mind, like, sweet, I'm going to get a nice, like, open look. Um, and at that stage of my career, I wasn't probably shooting well, or I was barely shooting, so to get an open look was nice. And he was he was literally in the paint, and he he I think he could, like contested the hell out of it, or he might have even blocked it. Like it was one of those two things that like. It was almost that welcome to the NBA of like, all right, like I'm not going to get my shot off if I don't speed it up or kind of become more efficient with like the mechanics of catching it and getting it to my my shot pocket and shooting it. And um, yeah, I mean you break it down with coach, with your individual coach, um, and it's, it's an emphasis, I guess, in my what was an emphasis in my in my shooting sessions going forward of like. If I want to play here and I want to play well and I want to help the team and I want to stay on the court, um, I'm going to have to figure this out. And um, yeah, I mean it's definitely a a moment that has stuck with me because I, I still remember it to this day. But yeah, I just had to, you know, I guess, it opened my eyes to like, oh, I'm going to have to put in the work to to get in the gym and, and get my shot off quicker and figure it out. And, um, I remember. Like also those first few sessions, like you're missing a ton of shots because it's not that I changed my technique of my shot, but the the speed of it needed to be like almost like <laughs> like double the speed that it was. Like I would, we've talked about it here, but like catch it and kind of drop it down and then bring it back up. It was like almost to the point where I'm at now, where like wherever I catch it, I I need to shoot it from. So um, yeah, it was a lot of time and effort and. Um, kind of lonely nights or days just kind of shooting and shooting and repetitive and 
Um, but I obviously feel like it got me to the point where I'm at now where if I catch it higher, I can shoot it from there. If I catch it lower, I feel like the speed from getting it from my hip or even like there's been um, passes where they've kind of like got deflected and they bounce to you and they're almost rolling and you've got to like pick it up and shoot it from that position because of the shot clock. So any of those positions in time now, I, I feel like very confident that I can make the shot. But um, yeah, it's a it's a process. I think yeah, everyone goes through it. Whatever level you've played at, there's there's no um, more athletic or fast or, or whatever league in the world than the NBA. So if you're in the NBL in college in Europe, wherever you are, the, the speed is is doubled or tripled or, or whatever it is. So um, yeah, everyone goes through it to to a certain extent. Yeah, and we've seen that, and we've know that, that that one where you catch it around the neck and be able to shoot it or even higher has really been a phenomenal uh, progression and advancement in your game. I'm wondering about that finger roll that you had. I hadn't seen that or seen that many times. I mean, and it was against the Spurs. And I don't know if you knew of a guy named George Gervin who, back in way back, perfected that finger roll. Is that something you practice? Um, I have shot it before. It, I actually thought I was going to be like at the, the position I was um, I was going to like ball fade, I was going to shoot a floater and he kind of backed off even more than big and I realised probably too late that he backed off and I still could have shot a, obviously still could have shot a floater because nobody was there but I just figured a layup's a bit easier and probably a high percentage thing going to shoot a floater, shoot a floater a little bit too long. It's coming off the back rim. At least if I lay it up, I've I've got the rim and the backboard to, to kind of let it roll around and, and hopefully drop in. So um, yeah, I definitely wasn't planning to shoot that, but at last kind of split second, I realised he dropped off, and I just wanted to I wanted to just make a shot. To be honest with you, so whatever I had to do <laughs> for it to go in. Uh, you also talked in that story about as you shorten the motion, and we've seen it. You can now catch a pass right on your forehead and shoot it in one quick motion. It is like the shortest, quickest, most efficient shot I could uh, I could imagine. But I've also seen enough passes hit you in the forehead. I, I'm at the point I don't really believe that's an accident anymore. How much are your teammates dialed into all of this and aware of where you need the ball? And they're really precise with where they throw it. Yeah, I mean, we've got um, little, like, I don't know, like sayings or jokes within the team um, or, or coach, like coach, you guys know, coach, coach comes up with like some crazy ass name for like everything. So um, there was one day that I don't know what point it was. It was probably, I'm, I'm assuming it was after a day we had like 30 turnovers and he was probably losing his mind and was 15 coffees deep at 5am and hadn't slept. And um, one of those days and he, he came in talking about like throwing strikes. Like if we if we want to be a good team, we want to obviously help our, our teammates out by passing the ball well for, for me to get Donovan a shot. And, and again, it goes back to a little bit of that is like the, the time that you have to actually shoot the ball. Like it's, if you get a bad pass, it can affect you actually being able to catch and shoot the ball. And we've got, we got guys that catch and shoot the ball at a, a really high level. I don't know how, what percentage anyone shoots or anything, but... I know for a fact the way we shoot the ball at practice and in games, like we've got a team that can, can shoot the ball at a high clip. So if we throw strikes, then we, we're actually 
like we're obviously about to be able to shoot the ball and, and, and make the make the shot. So um, we put a lot of emphasis at. Uh, granted, we haven't had many practices this year, but um, I, I'm throwing like so. If it's five on zero, we'll be like scripting through some offense, going through what we want to run for the next game or whatever it is. And if you don't throw a strike and it's a bad pass, like we're redoing the offense. Like coach is making the that group go again and like redo the whole like the whole play or set or whatever we're doing. So I mean, guys are dialed into it because we don't have a choice. Like coach is going to hold us accountable to it, which is 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 good. And it's it, like even the players to a certain extent. Like sometimes you think coach is overdoing it with some things or. Like, does it does it make that bigger difference or, or whatever? But it, it really does, and I think our guys dial into those things, and we we try and be as good as we can at them. I think like the turnovers is is another one. Like we we do have games of of high turnover games, and some of them it's like we we are an unselfish team. We're going to move the ball. We're going to pass the ball. We're going to have more turnovers than other teams because we are unselfish. But it's the it's the bad turnovers that hurt you the most. The ones where, like, the, I had one like I threw it to Rudy in transition and it bounced off his hip or whatever. Like, those ones, like, that was a bad one because, one, Rudy was running full, full speed and I threw it way too hard. But um, that's just an example of a, a bad one. Like, if you are driving under the hoop and trying to find Rudy late or trying to kick it out for a better shot or something like that. It's, it's a different turnover to, to a live ball turnover, which gets them in transition. And then we're running back and we have to Euro foul or, or we're giving up an and one because we're late on, on running back in defense. So um, we, we do take pride as a team on those, those little details. Um, and, and I think it makes a difference. You can roll your eyes sometimes thinking coach is a little crazy, but um, he, he knows what he's talking about, and, and and our guys dial in on it, dial in on those things, and, and try and do it when we can. So this is a get what you need day for the Jazz, and Joe Ingles has everything that he could possibly need. What does he want or do on a get what you need day? Um, I literally just drove into the parking lot of the facility right now. I'm sitting in the car park. There's Nobody else here. I think Mike uh, Elliott's here and a couple of our trainers. Um, so I dropped Jacob at school, came in, had to speak to you, knuckleheads, and then, yeah, I'll just go in, get some recovery, get some treatment. Um, for me, it's especially with the guys out at the moment, just about the, re- the re- recovery um, and all that stuff. So, um yeah, get some recovery in for the next probably couple of hours. I'll be here and then get home by lunchtime, have some lunch with Renee and go pick up the kids from school later, probably take them to the park or out, like in, out, out, out of the backyard or whatever, get in the sun and um, that'll be about it. So a relaxing day for me. American life for an Australian. I like it. Trying to be as un-American as <laughs> <laughs> You know me. There's, if, if, if there's going to be one person that's trying to stay uh, stick to his roots of, of Australia, it's me. <laughs> well, I don't know how you handle here in Australia or down in Australia, but here in America, as guys, we try not to mess up Mother's Day, and I would recommend uh, Pajamagram or Minky Couture, but for no particular reason. That's just me. Just throwing it out there. 
that sounds uh, like a cheap, a cheap, uh, quick gift that you forgot it was Mother's Day, and you're like, "Quick, let me go get a blanket." Those are classy, high end gifts, and bite your tongue. Well, you make sure you take a, you take care of Renee. Renee, I uh, she's probably not listening to this because I don't know what she's doing right now. But uh, like, she's not. She's on the board of uh, Show Up. Though. You should. Uh, everyone should get on board of that. So she's yeah, help. I saw that. What is that about? Um, we're with Spencer Cox's wife, um, who's, what do they call her? The first lady of Utah or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. but basically kind of, uh, unifying, I guess, unifying, um, kids with special needs or disabilities to, to be included with, um, the, the regular kids at, at school. So instead of. The, the school having a basketball team for the special needs kids and a basketball team for the, the I don't even know what you call the regular quote unquote normal kids. Um, they're unifying them and, and putting them together so that the, the, the special needs kids get to, to blend in with them and, and vice versa. They both get a, a taste of kind of what it's like and, and the, you know, I guess the whole, Inclusion and, and not letting anyone feel not wanted or unappreciated or, or anything like that. So it's uh, something that obviously we're passionate about with, with Jacob anyway. Um, but to be able to get, I think it's in a, a few schools in Utah here, but we're, well, not we, Renee and the board that, that she's on um, with Abby Cox and, and Ash, I think Ryan Smith's, uh, Smith's wife is on it as well. Um, trying to get it in basically in every school so that the, the option is there. And it's, um, I mean, I think it's something that's extremely important. I think not just in, in schools, but in every workforce and job and company, I feel like it, someone with autism or invisible disability or whatever it is, shouldn't be not included or not looked at for a job just because of, of what they're dealing with. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And it gives, Renee, uh, a hell of a lot of work to do, which she's, she's excited about. I don't know if you follow Abby Cox on social media, and I don't know how much you know about the whole picture with the Bidens and the Carters and all that, but uh, Abby Cox with a hilarious take. I retweeted it, and uh, you can go check it out on Twitter. It'll crack you up. <laughs> you retweeted it to your nine followers? Uh, yeah, right, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> I'm telling you about it so you can retweet it to your million followers and people can enjoy it in multiple hemispheres. Six of your nine followers are in your studio with you right now. Uh, Actually, there's no one in the studio with me. It's still COVID times here. Uh, Well, that sucks for you guys. (laughs) Uh, Not for PK, not so much. It'll change soon. (laughs) Yeah, right? All of us will be back together and we'll get Renee and the kids in the studio. We will, actually. We'll do that for sure. We'll do a live show. That'd be awesome. We're up for it. Cool. All right, Joe, we appreciate it. You get your uh, treatment and your recovery, and uh, we will watch you play the Nuggets, and then we will talk to you again next week. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We will get you up to speed on everything you missed in this show next. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Number one.
Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah, I mean, we've got little, like, I don't know, like, sayings or jokes within the team. Um, or, or co- like, co- you guys know, co- Coach comes up with, like, some crazy-ass name for, like, everything. So um, there was one day that, I don't know what point it was, it was probably, I'm, I'm assuming it was after a day we had, like, 30 turnovers and he was probably losing his mind and was 15 coffees deep at 5 a.m. and hadn't slept. And one of those days, and he, he came in talking about throwing strikes, like, Oh, PK. Yes. We slash I got called out about talking about turnovers, and then Joe drops. We had 30 turnovers, and Coach was losing his mind. Yeah, I'm the only one who worries about turnovers. Okay. I thought we might hear that. I <laughs> thought we wouldn't hear it till tomorrow. I didn't know that we would hear it immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I went straight into Yak and said, cut it up. Uh, Early in the show, we did a segment. Oh, Yak, I'm supposed to do something, aren't I? I am being inappropriate to our friends at the warehouse. Join Hans and Scotty G Friday at the warehouse from 10 to 2. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. I'll give you a double boom. Boom, boom. Boom! There it is. And boom, there was Joe saying that turnovers blow Quinn's mind. (laughs) Yeah, I knew you were going to replay that for Locke tomorrow. Absolutely. I didn't didn't think you were going to play it immediately, though. Well, we have to bring it up because you said that uh, I had gotten called out, but I think it goes to a bigger point. It goes back to what we were just talking to Joe about, and he doesn't get how they figure out the true shooting efficiency. But when you look at guys' field goal percentage, it doesn't tell you the whole story. Some guys shoot a lot. But in the process, they get fouled a lot, and they crush it at the free throw line. So to just look at a guy's shooting percentage doesn't tell the whole story because numbers do lie. You are right when you say you can cook up some numbers and you can spin it and make the point you want to make a point. So you got to dig a little deeper and consider, hey, this guy does shoot a lot, but he gets the free throw line a lot, and that's (laughs) where they're crushing teams. And so this stat helps figure that out. It was Joe to get to the free throw line a lot? Uh, enough that when he gets there, it makes an impact co- combined with how well he does shoot in the paint now. Yeah, his that, floater and his layup and how, how well much, he shoots his three. How much icing do I want on my cake? Yeah, there's some of that. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I get what you're saying. Um, but I think the thing, the, the bigger picture here with the Jazz is they do a, they do a lot of things really well. I mean, this is not, they, they've not fluked their way to the best record in the NBA. They are very good defensively when they set up their defense. They are very good offensively when the ball is moving. And if you're going to beat the Jazz, you need to get out on the break. Now, turnovers aren't the only way to do that. And not all turnovers will get you out on the break. The three-second call and the charge and the travel, you, the, the whistle blows, the ball stops, the defense gets back and gets set up. We understand that. But... When they don't, long rebounds off their missed threes or the the turnovers above the free throw line, teams really need to run against the Jazz because otherwise your your, your path to victory is really narrow. These guys have lost. You mentioned their record earlier, and honestly, I don't know it, and you nailed it. Um, What what are they? Is that 48 and 18 now? 48 and 18. And I'll bet you at least half those losses are scheduled losses. They're playing back-to-back, three games in four days. They're traveling. The other team's rested. At one point, they had to go play nine games out of ten on the road. You know, you're going to drop a few in there. You just are. And with the injury to Donovan, you knew there'd be an anti 
Conley too. You knew there'd be a couple more losses in there. A lot of these are just going to happen. Jordan's the GOAT, and he had all the motivation in the world after losing the playoffs. And even he lost 10 games. You're always going to lose some. I think some of these games— I think, Oh, I thought you were talking about Clarkson. Um, when you said Jordan's the GOAT. Oh, no, no, Michael Jordan. I was talking about Michael Jordan in their, their 10-loss season. Um, right now, everyone's obsessed about number one, and the Jazz lost all three games to the Timberwolves, which shouldn't have happened, but they had 18 loss, or eighteen turnovers in one and 20 in the other. And if you break them down, I'll bet we—and I haven't. Man, I but can't I'll wait for it tomorrow. I'll bet we find a bunch of turnovers above <laughs> Yuck, the break. bring some popcorn tomorrow. It's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you knew it would be when you knew. You knew it would be when you heard it. You're like, There's oh, going to be fireworks. This is too good. Locke versus but David James in this the headliner. Goes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Battle Royale. You just got to come up with a good undercard on this bad boy. I, just, I, I don't know, man. This is... This is the main event. Yeah. Two, two stat nerds going at it, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to sit back. But, I'm, I'm going to say good morning, and that's it, and get out of the way. All of this also builds up to the point that we should make for the 9 o'clock listener, because you made it a couple times this morning. All these things I'm talking about, they all blend together and help pass the eyeball test, which is why you are feeling so optimistic about the way things are going for the Jets. Well, and, and another thing, too, and I knew you were going to bring up the turnover thing. Once Joe said it, I said to myself, well, we haven't heard the end of this. Yeah! And then it's, uh, <laughs> you like to, I sort of brush off criticism. You you attack it with uh, whatever you attack it with, and you got Gusto! Gusto! Well, I Vigor! Meant, I, meant, I didn't mean emotion. I meant evidence. Uh, whatever evidence you're, you're going to be analytically based in your argument. That's rather, probably true. I, I'm going to be more passionate and just try to outscream the other guy, and you're going to try to back it up with some evidence is what I was getting at. So that, that that's fine. And I knew it was coming. The thing that I liked uh, as far as jazz fans and others, folks, right, media maybe, to worry about, okay, how are they going to integrate these two very good players when they come back, and what's your level of concern? And Joe said zero. And I think that uh, that's important because I believe it may be not zero, uh, but, you know, Joe, uh, as, as a player, show no weakness, all that stuff that's important. You know, I do have some – I don't have as much nervousness about reincorporating them as I do as what is their level of health. If their level of health is okay, then I think the reincorporation will be fine. If it's not okay, well, then you got issues. Maybe it's maybe they don't show up in the first round, but this is a team that isn't about the first round. It's about uh, getting to the conference final. Getting to the conference final is absolutely a legitimate goal, and then we'll see who's there as far as being able to beat them, although I think that's a legitimate goal too. So in that regard, it would be getting to the NBA final, but I'm getting way ahead of myself here. And I think guys like Joe are super important to the cause because Joe comes over into the NBA at 27, which is late. You know, they talk about these missionaries need to come out because they're 23. Or if you're a senior, you're viewed as uh, damaged goods in a sense. You're too old. Remember we talked to Jim Beheim about that, about Elijah Hughes, and he scoffed. What are you talking about? If you get a 10 years out of the guy and he comes out as a senior, that only puts him at like 33. That's ridiculous. Well, Joe comes over at 27, and where I'm going with this is that he wanted to establish himself in the NBA, and so he did, and he's gotten the what is a very, very good contract, maybe not the huge money, but in 
layman's terms, it's huge money, which he's acknowledged. So the point I'm making is that when these guys come back, you need a guy like Joe who could help you, but doesn't give a crap in the least about his stats or FGAs. He's not trying to make his mark to get something better. He's already made his mark. He's entrenched in the community. His wife's on uh, the Governor Cox's wife's committee. I mean, they, these, these people from Australia couldn't be any more cemented in our community than that they are. And you see that in his play. So when Conley and Mitchell come back, you don't have to worry about Joe taking fewer shots and have it be a problem. He doesn't care. All he cares about is winning. And you need that type of unselfishness. You need to have all folks going in the same direction to make sure the goal is to win the game. So that's another reason why I don't have as much concern about those two players coming back is because a guy like Joe Ingles isn't interested in any personal stats. All he's interested is in winning. So we talked a lot of jazz today. We did talk playoff race. It was completely predictable. We both expected we expected a lot of things, uh, a lot of things to happen based on what we've seen before. We both thought the Spurs were going to compete with the Jazz. They were better rested, better prepared. They had two days to you know figure out what they'd done wrong on Monday. They didn't have to get on an airplane and fly. And it was gonna and, and all, all the reasons we thought the Spurs were going to be better, and they got blown out in the first half. But we also thought. The Suns coming off an overtime game in Cleveland were going to be in trouble going to Atlanta against a team that is better than their record. They changed coaches. They flipped the switch. They've gone 23-10. and 10. Nate McMillan has got them on track. And sure enough, that game was 71-70 with nine minutes to go in the third quarter. And then uh, Phoenix ran out of gas, and Atlanta crushed them 135-103. to So the Jazz are now a game in front of the Suns. And there's six to go, and you were listening to a little uh, Phoenix radio. Or you, I guess you were watching Phoenix TV, and they were talking about the sun schedule down the stretch with the four road games and a, <clears throat> a shortage of lottery teams available while the Jazz are playing the Thunder and the Kings and the Rockets. Uh, Phoenix gets none of those guys. Correct. And so the schedule turns t- tougher at the end. They're all playoff teams. Whether all those playoff teams will be playing remains to be seen. I mean, the players on the playoff teams – because they got the Lakers Sunday, and who yeah. knows with Le- LeBron right. and even Anthony Davis at that point. But figures to be, you've got teams that are jockeying for playoff positions. So even if an individual isn't there, there should be some sense of urgency yes. for the team because everyone, literally everyone in the West, is trying to improve its playoff seating. Those who are involved in the playoff hunt are trying to improve their playoff seating. So that bodes well for the effort, although we didn't see it from the Spurs. I thought it was pathetic, but nevertheless, the Suns should face a difficult uh, final six games. I thought if they won and beat the Hawks on a back-to-back after going OT with Cleveland, and that's a decent flight from Cleveland to Atlanta, obviously, I thought that they would win the conference. Now, I think it's open, and it's right there for the Jazz to grab. I mean, so, they've got to win. They can't go 0-6, I think, obviously. Right, but I think if the Jazz beat the Nuggets Friday— and okay. they become the overwhelming favorite. Just as, you're right, I think if Phoenix had beaten Atlanta, they would have become the heavy favorite to have the NBA's best record. Now I think if the Jazz beat the Nuggets, they become the heavy favorite to have the NBA's best record. Yes, I understand all that. I agree with that. And the the good thing from the Jazz perspective is I don't think it's necessary. I think two and health is absolutely fine. So Sure, but get- what if you could get one in health? Great, great. Go get it. Go (laughs) get it. Yeah, go get it. I've got no problem with that. But I'm saying if, for whatever reason, it does not happen, it's not the end of the world. Well, it's not just not the end of the world. 
it's in a they're still in a great position well, and they're getting as long as they get the two guys back healthy. Yeah. Well, there's a scenario out there for either the Suns or the Jazz where they end up the two seed and they still end up with home court advantage in every round because these two might not both make it to the conference final. Obviously. And it's literally the only team, because we're, we keep talking about the West, because that's what we focus on, but we're deep enough into the season now that these two teams are going to have the two best record in the NBA. Whoever they get when they get to the NBA Finals, if they get to the NBA Finals, they'll have a better record than Brooklyn or Milwaukee or uh, whoever, turn, Philly, uh, Atlanta, if they turn out to do it. Uh, it doesn't matter. They'll have a better record. It does so. not, no. And that's a, the Jazz are in a great spot right now as long as these two guys come back healthy and really have an opportunity because I think that they're veteran guys. They know what they're doing. The system is there. These guys fully understand it. Uh, and so I'm excited for the possibilities. It's why I made the statement this morning, and I feel like it's accurate, at least for me, is that this entire season, in the 2021 season, I've never felt more confident about the playoff success of the Jazz than I do right now today. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. When we come back, your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Time to hear what you have to say about today's topic. The Jazz are back in first place. All alone. One game in front of the Suns. Six games left in the regular season. Is all well. Yes. No, Tricky Tanner says. You're wrong, Tricky Tanner. It ain't over till it's over. Tricky Uh, T is going to sweat it to the bitter end. Another thing, moving in jazz players' advantage, Chris Paul is getting older. He's 36 years old today. Yeah, it feels weird to talk about that, but uh, you just can't ignore, and he doesn't because you say you just saw a story with him about this where he was talking about uh, the multiple injuries he suffered in the playoffs. Some are freaky weird when you break a finger getting your hand caught in someone's jersey. That's just weird, and there's nothing you can do about it. It happens. Uh, but then the hamstring injuries, you're like, wow, oh, he's played. We, we keep talking about it. Every time we check a box score this year, he's playing so many minutes, such heavy usage. Is he yeah. really going to hold up? Are his hamstrings going to hold up through the playoffs? Well, I hope so for his sake. Yeah, but uh, you have to wonder, yeah. And that, that's the great thing about it, man. When we get to this postseason in the West, you can just question – Whatever the questions will vary, but every team has question as a question, if not multiple questions. Yes, and so many of them right now center on health. There are a lot of star players who are in a gray area as far as are they one hundred percent ready for the grind of the playoffs? Can you absolutely say yes to Kawhi? Can you absolutely no. say yes to LeBron? Can you absolutely say yes to the two Jazz guys who are out now? You might feel like you probably can in some of their cases, in yeah. others, not at all. Don't and, forget Luke Kennard, man. Yeah, see? Okay. And then, uh, and then you just got, well, our guy's going to perform. At what level will Paul yeah. George perform? At what level will Jazz and Suns players who haven't been to a conference final perform if they get there? Will they be ready for the big stage? Now, maybe that's canceled out to a certain degree if they're playing each other. <laughs> That kind of removes some of that. Uh, let's see. Other people, uh, Jazz are back in first place with six games to go. Is all well. And uh, 
Leroy, all is well that ends well, ask me in six games. Doesn't want to walk out at the edge of that limb yet. Not willing to do it. Okay, well, Leroy, we'll get you back in six games. Jonathan says, let's beat the Nuggets on Friday. Then we can assess how we feel. Jonathan doesn't want six games, but he just wants one more. A win over the Nuggets, and sounds like he's ready then to say, sweet, one seed, overwhelming favorites in the first round, feeling good. That's a nice game because the Nuggets are who they are right now with their injuries, and Murray's not coming back, and they said Barton was out for an extended period, so I don't know that he's going to be back. So the Nuggets, this is the Nuggets team. It's not the Jazz team, but it looks like this is the Nuggets team. And who knows, these two teams could play each other in the postseason. They had a whale of a series last year, obviously. And so maybe the Nuggets might want to send a little bit of a message to the Jazz. Okay, we don't have our guy who threw in 50 points, uh, but we're still pretty good. And look what we did the last time we played you. In your building, when you had 6,642 fans. And so, you know, you're looking for a little more intrigue and all that stuff. And I think tomorrow night has one, has has a game that has some uh, a little bit of intrigue beyond the normal. Not only do I think that's true, and it is for all the reasons you list, I think in addition to that, I think the Nuggets are busy sending a message to the whole league. You don't lose somebody as good as Murray, and then go 10-2 and two in your next 12 games if you don't have a little bit of resolve and you're trying to send a message to everybody. Believe it, we're still taking people down. And Michael Porter Jr. knows people questioned him and whether he can lock in and be the guy night after night. And yeah. he's, he has scored in bunches in some games this year. Bunches! Yes. <laughs> bunches! And so, as uh, you know, and, and, and everything runs through the Joker, right? He's the guy. But you still got to have second and third guys who can play at a really high level. And Michael Porter Jr. seems determined yeah. to perform enough to shut up the detractors. And you talk about the yoke man. He outscored, I think he had double what the Knicks had in the first quarter. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he had 24 and the Knicks had 12. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the rest of his team had 10. There were, he had 24 points and there were 46 points scored in the quarter. Everybody else on the court had 22, and the Joker had 24. Everybody else on both teams. Off the charts. Uh, words of wisdom. Jazz are back in first place with six games to go. All is well? Yes! Exclamation point. It's been a hell of a season! Exclamation point. A couple years ago, I would have never thought first or second was possible. Exclamation point. So, words of wisdom is fired up. Exclamation point. Right? I thought that uh, second place was possible this year. I did not think first. DJ and PK, we're out of here. Hands and Scotty are next. See ya.